Welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. Wise Guys is your home to interact with the worldwide community of BYU fans in a variety of ways. We're your hosts, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. What you're about to hear is the audio recording from our weekly live broadcast. We invite you to join us for the show live every week to chat with us and with other BYU fans. You can find the schedule and watch live at wiseguys.com. That's ysguys.com. Thanks for listening and go Cougs. Monday night and Wise Guys is back as we kick off the first non-football week in a long, long time. Fortunately, we got a lot to talk about. Welcome to the Wise Guys, Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler in our lair here in an undisclosed location in Provo, Utah. Mm-hmm. And uh, how you doing? I'm like, I'm a little bit in mourning. It was, it was a great Super Bowl, but the... You just said that, and it made it really sink into I know me. it. I know it. Reality that we're done with football for a hundred and some days now. Yeah, and you know we have spring, and we got alumni stuff, and this and that. But uh, it's not the same. Once games start, that's when real life starts, and then it just shuts down for a few months. Glenn so. is with us from the Philippines. Let's just uh, early guys. Hey, let's see. North Ogden's here. Vegas is never far behind and they're still recovering from uh tucson's in with neil vegas did a is nice it, job hosting the super bowl is it 10 tomorrow morning in the philippines glenn is it like what time is it in the yeah, philippines it's gotta right be, now it's got to be the next so day. i'm sure panama will be joining us here anytime yeah. soon and we not only appreciate the folks joining us from the philippines and panama and japan and, and all farmington over. We, we don't we love the people that are joining us from provo too and japan's in Corey. Corey Yoshimura is yeah. in. Yeah, Corey, good he to says have you. he says he's tired of me calling him out every week. Yeah, well, for not being on. Hop on that stream. So now we know it's like ten o'clock in the morning in Japan. I don't know what it is in the Philippines, but Corey, Singapore will be it, along here just shortly. Put an earbud in or an AirPod. What are the everything you call those things you put in your ear? What are those earbuds? Things? Yeah, put an ear earbud in and and uh, and listen while you're working. Airbud Air is the movie no, about the, the dog. No, that's the movie about the dog. That's <laughs> right. Hey, we're the number one global live stream BYU sports show in the world. And uh, as is evident, our live stream, South Carolina's in tonight, Laramie, Wyoming. Good evening, everybody. Our, all our stuff is waiting for you on our YouTube page um, or ysguys.com. Uh, and tonight's show, of course, is live on Facebook. Nebraska in the house. Hey, Nebraska. Hey, Drummond, Montana in the house. Drummond, Montana. And, and Brock, thanks for joining us from Provo. Yeah. Right down the right, right, right down, down the, the road from, right from us here in Provo. So we're on Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and ysguys.com. And then the podcast is up tomorrow wherever you get podcasts. So right. we launch on Monday to, you know, put, put our arms around week. the world for a whole week. And uh, and then our hub remains wiseguys.com, ysguys.com. Yeah, That's where make, everything is. And make sure make sure you subscribe, get our weekly email. I subscribe. I get our weekly email. And sometimes I go back and look at the highlights of all the great guests we've had here, including Steve Young and Danny Ainge. I saw Steve on a couple of commercials yesterday. Yeah. For the Super he's Bowl. He's everywhere. Wally Joyner, Marie Osmond, Jimmer Fredette, soon to be Olympian Jimmer Fredette, Kyle Van Noy, Sherry Dew, you name it. We've had him on here. And, and so uh, make sure you go, go to wiseguys.com and subscribe and get that weekly email. You also get a notice. If we're going to live stream, like on recruiting day, you and I did yeah. a little live stream in the morning or right, right. Well, we posted it in the afternoon, um, talking about, about recruiting day. A lot so. of people check that out. Thanks yep. everybody. Appreciate you doing that. Mark from Raleigh, North Carolina is in love. Wise guys, uh, big week for the baseball team. That's right. Yeah, Friday back there. season starts Friday against, uh, um, USC, uh, at uh, Sloan park. That's where the Cubs have their spring training. And it'll be Friday night. I'm right. gonna, I'll be on the radio call on the BYU radio app. Going to do some baseball for a little bit. And so it See, all are you, starts. Are you on the road this week? Then? Yeah. 
Oh, man. I'm on the road for nine days starting I, Thursday. I don't even know. You and I have talked about this a little bit off the air, but I don't know how you do. How how do you call a baseball game by yourself? We're going to find out on Friday. Do you ask questions and then answer them yourself? Yeah, but then I change my voice to answer so them you back. Say, like, you, but do you say, I don't know, what do you think about that, Dave? And they go, well, Dave. Look, but in if, a different voice? If I was Carrot Top, I'd have like a voice of nine different characters. You'd think there's a giant booth put together there. But we're going to see what happens uh, starting on uh, on Friday night. We'll have some details on that um, as we progress tonight. Bountiful Utah is here with us. Everyone hopping on. We love it. John from uh, Camp Verde, Arizona. Yeah, so he's going to go see the team live, right, yeah, John? Yeah, so John, Friday, Saturday against Ohio State. Monday against Grand Canyon. So we'll see at Sloan Park yeah, that'll be in fun. Mesa. That should be cool. We've been on a fun show tonight. Uh, football recruiting guru Jeff Hansen is going to be with us. Mm-hmm. Kalani Sataki, really happy with his recruiting class, which we've covered the last couple of weeks. So now we're going to get a different voice in. Uh, what does Jeff Hansen think? He does a lot with 247sports.com and BYUcougarinsiders.com. And we'll get his take on that and where they need to still build uh, – between right. now and, and August 31st for the season opener. Yeah, because there's one more opening of the portal. Yeah. So there's an opportunity to bring a few more transfers in. Hey, Linda Murray from Colorado, always here, every week. Linda never misses. So Stephen Marks from Olympia, Washington, glad to have you in. Um, how about that Super Bowl yesterday? Talk about that a little bit. Andy Reid versus Fred Warner. Fred had a good game. Hey, Fred was clutch at the end when they tried to isolate him one-on-one. What other linebacker in the league can cover yeah. Travis Kelsey one-on-one? And he did it a couple of times during clutch time. And notice it wasn't it wasn't the storybook ending where Travis catches the touchdown pass to win the that game. That would have been too much for him. And America. then he kneels down and proposes to Taylor Swift. Like None <laughs> of that happened. But it close. And close. instead, they used him as a decoy on yeah. the game-winning touchdown pass, which is pure Andy Reid right there. It was there. a great Andy Reid But But call. Fred Warner played great, and... And uh, hey, there, that's what I was thinking of, Eric Wright. Hey, good morning, Eric. Eric Wait from Singapore. Or Wait from Singapore. Thanks, Eric. It's Eric Wait. That's I knew. I knew <laughs> Eric had been joining us every week from Singapore. And then right there Thanks next to in. Eric in Singapore is Kyle from Rexburg, Idaho. That's right. Good to have you. Uh, if, is the wind Kyle. blowing in Rexburg, Idaho? Because when it is this time of year, I like to stay south of there. So. It is. It is always blowing up there. Um, we're going to talk BYU hoops tonight, and we've got a special guest in studio, uh, basketball analyst for ESPN Plus and BYU TV, Kristen Kozlowski. So if you got some questions for her, put them on the live stream. We'll get to them uh, as many as we can. we got a bunch of questions yeah, the, for Yeah, the nice thing about Kristen is she covers both men's and women's yeah. basketball. So she knows all things on both sides, and uh, she, she's watched this kind of, I don't want to say resurgence, but a surge from this BYU women's team with yeah. a couple of wins, and then she's she's covered the men with us all year long. So she knows all about both. So it'd be fun to have her with us. Sean's on the live stream. He says, Sean, from way up in Orem, which it's is about two miles away from, it's way from up here. There. Way up there. Once we, we're up here, and then we got to go down there, and then we go back up there. That's right. And uh, it's a short hey, my, uh, stint to Orem. And Mark Brown says, I'd say BYU was heard more than any other college during the Super Bowl broadcast. It's probably right. Could have been. Because they several references to Andy Reid. Fred Warner. Fred Warner made a couple of big plays. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're BYU's guys in the league right now are really visible in the positions they play. Warner so. played a MVP like game. Had the 49ers won. He so, could have been, and Bell, been and, on there. And Bell Biv DeVoe, which is who was in Bell Biv DeVoe? DJ knows this, I know. I bet Kristen doesn't know who was in Bell Biv DeVoe. So DJ was Bobby Brown in Bell Biv DeVoe think he was i I think bobby brown was part of that deal 
So he says, hey, with the new OT rules. And they sang, and they sang Poisons. Poisons is a song I remember. From Why that. would you want to kick the ball first? Kick it to the Chiefs. Awful. Baffles me. Still baffles Well, there was, there was an article in ESPN today, and we'll, we can address that right now because we weren't planning to, um, where, they, where the Chiefs players talked about the fact that in summer camp, Andy Reid said, hey, by the way, when we get to the playoffs, there's going to be a change in overtime rules. So for the next couple of weeks, we're going to practice what we're going to do when we have overtime in the Super Bowl. And they practiced it. Is that Andy Reid, pure Andy Reid, attention to detail yeah, or what? They yeah. practiced overtime in the Super Bowl during summer camp. How about that? The, a couple Niners players admitted that they were reading what the rules were for overtime on the big screen when they came up because they I'll didn't admit, know what they so were. So was I on the broadcast. I'm like, huh? Oh, hey. Because remember, playoff rules are different yeah. than during the regular season in like the NFL. Them. I like them and, this and, way. But here, here's the thing. I do understand the Niners had just been on the field for a long time. Their defense and some and you know Tony Romo said perhaps you go on offense first because you don't want to put a dead tired defense back out there. Um, because the the Chiefs had just driven all the way down the field to kick that game tying field goal, now you put a tired defense out there, it's probably not a good idea. And so that may have come into the thinking. So it's not crazy, crazy, but you you typically think it's an advantage when both teams are going to get the ball to have the ball second, so you know what you need to do, whether you go on fourth or not. But yeah. but, but there there is a if you just go, you know what. Our defense dead dog tired. We can't stick them back out See, there. See, right I now. thought I thought the 49ers are like uh, the Chiefs' defense is tired. Then they drove right down to the five right. yard line on them. They just couldn't score. They threw one bad ball on third, and then what are you going to do? Then you probably got to kick. You got to get right. some points, right? Uh, or then you're dead because the the guys are making them from 65 yards, right? But and so that's what I thought. And then they did. I'm like, well. That strategy worked, except you came four yards short. Now you put yeah. a touchdown, and you say, Chiefs, go score a touchdown. And if they do, okay, then you keep playing. Right, right. So, so. It, yeah, it was – yeah, it, there, you can think of some – There, it's not as bad a decision as it just seems on its face because there is some rationale where you would look at how your players are feeling and go, who do we want to put out there on the field first? Yeah. Knowing that both teams get a full set of downs, so to speak – um, allowed to get first downs and all that. The, the one thing that surprised me, because I, I knew what the rules were, but what I didn't know was um, that the time, if the time had expired in the middle of the Chiefs drive, they would just flip the field and gone the other way. Yeah, I didn't know either. And then I realized, hey, they're not in a hurry. No. So, and then my brother goes, oh, they just do another quarter. I'm like, okay. Yeah. All so right, you just play keep playing until somebody. We're going to have a winner. So, but well, I, so, I, I haven't seen the TV ratings, but they have to be through the roof. Through the so, roof. Um, okay, so Bell Biv DeVoe, we have the info now. We try to keep up on music here. Close. He says close. He says Bell Biv DeVoe, all three original members of uh, are were original members of new edition. So Ricky Bell, Mike Bivens, and Ron DeVoe. But the new edition was Bobby Brown, Johnny Gill, Ralph Trisvant, and Bell Biv DeVoe. So that's that's where I got confused. I was thinking Bobby Brown was. I'm glad Bell we were able DeVoe. to get that clarified. Bell Biv DeVoe, 24, thanks. For clarifying that for us. Some BYU football notes before we get into hoops. And our guest, Kristen Kozlowski, is going to sit down with us. Um, signing day results, 31 players, 19 on defense. There you go. Kalani Sataki is a defensive guy. Was not happy with how the defense played last year. Jay Hill is defensive coordinator. Obviously a defensive guy. He wasn't happy with how they played in the first year of the Big 12. And so they went out to get some guys to fix the problem. And they're both very happy with who they got in. Yeah, yeah, abso absolutely. So, um, you know, 
Kalani, um, you, we're, we're going to talk a little bit later about Kalani's recruiting strategy and what he, what, what he needs to do moving forward. We're going to ask Jeff Hansen that, right? Mm-hmm. So we're going to get into that. Um, but it's interesting how different recruiting this year was versus what they did last year. Like a very, very different philosophy right. this year. And then now does it change again, or is this the philosophy moving Meaning forward? getting guys that are game ready now. Yeah, is, is, that what, is that it now? Or do you go, okay, we just got guys that are game ready now because we needed to fill these holes. Now we're going to go get high school recruits and we're going to start developing. I, it's just interesting. Is this a three-phase thing? Like is this... Did he do what he needed to do to, to plug holes last year? Did he go pick up some starters to fill the last of the holes this year? Does he go more to player development next year? I'm really interested to talk to Jeff Hansen and find out what, what he thinks what he they thinks. have to do. Yeah. He's coming up just a bit tonight. Uh, as for, by the way, last week we had one of the best interviews we've ever had on Wise Guys. Oh, so uh, fun. If you heard it, you'll agree. And a lot of folks have gone and listened to it during the week. Uh, with Gary Bohannon, the new quarterback, the new kid in town. And we encourage you to go to ysguys.com uh, or go on YouTube because it's all over YouTube and uh, and listen to that. And, and then we'll watch him battle for that job with Jake Retzlaff and company over spring football in the summer and all that stuff. But what well, I was, we were, I texted you after the show. I was so impressed yes. with, uh, with Gary and what he's been through and why he's here, um, you know, and, and it's just a fascinating story. I, I can't tell you how many people the last couple of days have pulled me aside and said, man, I listened to that Gary Bohannon interview, and, and we just put it a link on the on the live stream, but um, I'm so impressed with him. Like, I, really, I hope he really does well. I, I'm going to be rooting for him now after they had a chance to get to know him a little bit. Um, and he answered some questions that I had about his readiness to play. In the course of that interview, you can hear it, but... We talked about the fact that, no, this isn't a new offense for me. This is the offense I ran at Baylor. Jeff Grimes brought yeah. the same terminology down there. In fact, the teams had to change their signs when they played each other for fear they'd steal their signs. Same terminology, same offense. And so maybe he doesn't, you know, he appears to be a one-and-done type quarterback, which everybody knows I'm not a huge fan of. But is he really a, he's really not a one when it comes to this offense because He's played in this offense before. He understands this offense. He's going to be way ahead yeah. of where a typical quarterback coming in from another school would be. CJ Nance says, happy Monday from Las Vegas. Hey, we're glad you survived the Super Bowl. Now it's Man. going to New Orleans. Did you go in hiding during the Super Bowl? So. <laughs> I saw some traffic shots. It looked crazy down there. Yeah. Uh, here's the schedule for what's coming up. Football. Actually, at BYU, it's just two weeks away. Yeah, spring practice. Can you believe that? First practice is Thursday, February 29th. It's just around the corner, and we're right back into it. They have a little um, uh, acclimation period for a couple of days, and then they go in full pads on Monday, March 4th for the first time. So the alumni game, by the way, is Friday, March 22nd on BYU TV, and it's not going to be in Lavelle Edwards Stadium. So let's just do some common sense here. Well, where else could it be? Mm-hmm. What did BYU do a few years back mm-hmm. that would facilitate a Friday night festivity like this where fans could come and be televised and have it be on a football field that says Cougars on it? That's the How old about Provo High? Provo High. Yeah. So the alumni game is going to be different for a variety of reasons. The location is going to be different, but the fun is going to be the same. It'll be interesting because we, we're going to have to take the cameras over there, yeah. and they'll be a little bit lower to the ground, so it'll look a little more like a high school football game with the low camera angles. And the. And Max Hall's going to be on the show in a couple of weeks. We'll get an update on, on whether or not he's going to play. I, 
I think he's, I think he's in. I, I think he I is. I think too. he is in. March twenty second. Mark that down. Is Friday Austin, night. Is our is our guy Austin Collie going to play? He should be. Should be ready to go. Yeah. All those guys. Dennis. Yeah, Dennis we'll see who's play. coming back. Yep. Uh, that'll be fun. Uh, and that's not too far off either. Right in the middle of the NCAA tournament, we'll have a Friday football. Uh, and right. we know BYU won't play on a Friday because it's Friday, Sunday. That's right. In the big dance. So there won't be a conflict there. Um, and, and remember, um, alumni game, just like they did last year, is not the last day of spring ball. No. It's the... It's the Friday before the last week of spring ball. So they'll come back and have another week of practice. That last practice will be on Friday, March 30th. So starts on Thursday, February 29th and ends on Friday, March 30th. Fan Fests in Dallas, April 27th. In Phoenix, Gilbert area, May 18th. That's to, get, that's to get you ready for the SMU game and the Arizona State game, right? Yeah. And you know what? They're, they're, so they're putting a new surface in at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. We need to get a surface guy in here to explain what they're doing. Yeah, you know what, our, guy, our, our main guy just retired, though. I don't know who's doing that this year. Yeah, we'll find out. Yeah, We're on it. We're on the case. Yeah, and people were asking about, um, uh, can we get Andy on, Andy Reid on the show? I, I'll, I'll personally do my best to try to. That's my personal challenge, yeah, too. Yeah, I'll try to get him. I, I texted, Sometime this summer. I just texted him a again. little while ago. We're just, Brendan and I are just so happy for he and Tammy, and, and it's, so I just texted him a little bit ago congratulating him. I usually let all of the crazy noise wear off a little bit, although I'm sure it hasn't worn off yet. And he's he's usually really good about getting back to me. So, yeah, we'd love to have Andy on the show, and he's great. He, Our pledge to you is we're going to, we're, we're efforting we'll, that. We'll do, we'll do our, I'll, I'll do my best to try to get him on. Men's basketball, 17 and 6, 5 and 5 now in the Big 12. Before we get into some of the details that have gone out today as far as the rankings and all of that stuff, we do want to, uh, send our thoughts and prayers out to Marcus Adams and his family with a sudden sudden passing of his dad over yeah. the weekend. Adams is a freshman at BYU after transferring from Kansas. Didn't play there, practiced a little bit, but was enrolled there. And, and now at BYU got his waiver and he's had health issues through the season with his with his leg and, and, uh, and personal issues as well, but nothing bigger than what he's going through now. So we ask that all of you keep him and his family uh, in your prayers and uh, we wish the best for, for Marcus. Yeah, yeah, a t- tough blow for the Adams family. So, yep, mm. our thoughts are with Marcus for sure. As far as uh, Marcus and his teammates uh, and what's going on with basketball, the AP Top 25 comes out. They get beat by 16 points at Oklahoma. Doesn't matter. And then they beat Kansas State in a, in a game that wasn't a beauty and they went up two spots yeah, it's, to it's, number 19. It was late enough that the people on the East like, Coast just like, yep, they beat Kansas State. We keep them up. This is the best league in college basketball. Six, te- six teams in the league are in the AP Top 25. This is the year. You. It doesn't matter what happens during the week. Win on nope. Saturday. Win on Saturday. And the voters are like, hey, yeah. So this, this week's AP Top 25, Houston is three. Kansas is six. Iowa State is 10. Baylor, 12. BYU, 19. And Oklahoma, 25. So Oklahoma on the road, you, you lose to a ranked team on the road, doesn't hurt you. Yeah. You move up. In fact, you lose to them on the road, and you you move further ahead of them in the poll. <laughs> Coach's poll has BYU at 17. Yeah, and it looks it looks really similar. Oklahoma, yeah. uh, uh, Houston is 3, Kansas is 7, Iowa State 10, Baylor 13, BYU 17, and then Oklahoma is 21. So Oklahoma a little bit higher and BYU a little bit higher in that poll. But six teams in, in the coaches poll as well. In the all-important net ranking, BYU's number eight. Yeah. They've been in the top ten this, this ever since what? They beat San Diego State and then... 
Yeah, and, and in that, everybody talks about the top 40. Because um, if you're in top 40, you got a chance for an at-large bid. I, I usually say the top 34, but there's eight teams in the top 40. Um, Houston's number one in the net yeah. in the country. It has been for weeks and weeks. BYU is the second in the league with at eight. Iowa State's nine. Kansas, 12. Baylor, 13. Oklahoma, 30. Texas, 33. And Texas Tech, 37. So they got Iowa State on the road. That's coming up. That won't hurt them, win or lose. Winning helps. Well, losing isn't going to hurt them. Right. Baylor will be here in a week and a half. Yeah. They're 13th in the net. So the, the San Diego State win continues yeah. to be a good one. San Diego State's 19 in the net. And that was a really good early win that got BYU up there to begin with. And it's been hard, hard to knock them down. Now, Central Florida comes in here tomorrow night. Central Florida, 66 in the net. Yeah, they're going to win tomorrow. Yeah. So that's not a. You can't lose games against teams outside the top 30 at home in the net. Ken Palm, BYU's number 12. Joe Lenardi's got the Cougars as a sixth seed in the big dance. So where are they at in the standings? They're two and a half games out of first place, and they're three and a half games out of last place. They're right there in the middle. Uh, But you know what? Life in the middle is going to get you a top six seed in the big dance. Stay in the middle. It's it's so different. And when Kristen comes on, we're talking to her a little bit about that, about the difference between... Uh, you know, the WCC and playing in the Big 12. Um, we'll ask her her thoughts on that. But it just seems like there's a lot more leeway when you're playing in the uh, in the Big 12 to have a stumble here and there and just be fine. we got a lot. Let's bring it on right now so, since we're Yeah, right Krista, come on. Let's, we're, we're talking basketball now. Cougars in Kansas State. Saturday night we mentioned BYU wins at 72-66. Five players in double figures. Fusini Traore had 14 points, eight rebounds. BYU struggled from the three-point line, 8 of 25, and they struggled from the free throw line, 10 of 21. Mm -hmm. Yet they won and won up two spots in the AP Top 25. And then earlier in the week, Oklahoma uh, broke away from a 44-44 tie at halftime, and they won at 82-66. Foos had 21, Hall 17. Again, another night where BYU couldn't hit a three-point shot, 8 of 26. Uh, But that all being said... They are up in the polls to number 19. And it is our pleasure to welcome the great Kristen Kozlowski, former BYU basketball player, longtime analyst for BYU TV and ESPN Plus, a longtime colleague of ours. And Kristen is here in studio. It's good to see you. Thanks for having me. What is this? A year and a half, and I finally get invited on. Oh, and we, we've tried. We've been, we've been practicing. Come we've been on, practicing. You too. Like, there's been a couple times. I'm like, should we get Kristen on? Dave's like, we're not good enough yet. Yeah, we okay. had to so practice. So we needed to get to the show to a level more experience where we can like we could bring Kristen on and we can we, take some. Of the we stuff had to class she's it throw. up. We classed it up with Diljit Taylor yeah. and Gary Bohannon last okay. week. Last week, right. and then we thought it was perfect. Yeah, I was to excited to hear that I could just wear. You know, a sweatpants, oh, yeah. and a sweatshirt. I, have, I haven't worn shoes on this show, <laughs> and for, like that's the thing I've never seen. People can see under. See right here. Oh yeah, there's your feet. I, I have feet. not. I have not worn shoes yet. Winter, yeah. summer, doesn't matter. I haven't I worn know. shoes on the show. It's, that's a, the it's thing. something. It's a sight it. to see because I see it the whole time. It is a sight. Uh, yeah, hopefully not a see. smell. And here's the thing. <laughs> here's where like we have our we have our colleague Dave Nixon who does shows with us on all the time, but he doesn't grace our presence. Like, he has to zoom in from Draper. Hey, and I wanted to like drive. Sometimes and, we lower the show for some of the other guys. And Kristen's like, we said, could you come on the show? She says, yeah, of course. Do you want us to zoom you in? We know you live up in Draper. No, I'll be down. And so she drove her beast of a car down here. Yes, yeah. I did. Took up all three <laughs> seats. She has <laughs> the biggest car I've ever seen in my life, but she has a very She's got big, big kids. children. They're large children. By and the way, still don't how, how tall are your two oldest? Uh, they're both about 6'7", my yeah, sophomore six, and seven. senior. So... 
So and they, they have to. Where so do they sit? I've, I've been replaced. I sit in the back seat when my husband drives. I sit in the back seat so that their legs can fit. You know, up front they got more space and they see, still. See, that's are, what a good mother would do. I know. You know, that's yeah. that's something. By the way, David Nixon was at the Super Bowl last night, tweeting out pictures. Yeah, and uh, he, he said lives he had, a different life than the rest of time. us. Said he had a good time. He's buying lunch. He came home with some lunch money, so we're sweet. We're happy about that. This week, tomorrow night, uh, Central Florida's at BYU, as Blaine mentioned, six o'clock pregame on BYU TV. Tip at seven on ESPN Plus and BYU Radio. Then the Cougars go to Oklahoma State. On Saturday, that's a noon Mountain Time, ESPN Plus, and BYU Radio. Women's basketball, we're just setting this up to. to yeah, we're talking about up. all of this, but. They're at 14 and 11, 4 and 8 in the Big 12, which is a lot better than they were a week ago. And Lauren Gustin earlier today announced the Big 12 Player of the Week mm-hmm. and teammate Amari Whiting, the Big 12 Freshman of the Week. Gustin combined for 44 points and 36 rebounds. 36 rebounds. Over Baylor. Why in the world? That's nuts. Well, and Whiting had 12 points, 7.5 rebounds, and 5 assists. See, that was her average during those those two wins. So, so in that game against Cincinnati, Gustin goes for 21 points and 20 boards. 20 boards in a college basketball game is... Ridiculous. That's, but that's her seventh game of her career, 2020 game. It doesn't sound ridiculous it's when nuts. we're talking about her, but yeah. it sounds ridiculous for anybody else, right? Yeah. And, and I think that was kind of the little bit of a question mark around her coming into the season is can she pull the same numbers that we saw with the WCC, right? Because these teams are... Exactly. They have taller players. They have bigger, stronger bigs in the middle that she's going against. And she, let's face it, she's undersized at six foot one. Yeah. She's a center at six foot one and she's What's a typical still, center in, in the Big Twelve? Six four. Uh, I would six, say five? you're probably average, six four, maybe yeah. on the low end, six three, but Kansas got six five. You got a six seven player at, mm-hmm. at you know, you look at TCU six seven. Like they're they are tall and long and they have defended her at times by double teaming her, maybe playing her top side, playing in front of her, but they'll put two, three players on her to box her out, and she's still leading the nation for the second year in a row. It is unbelievable. She's got she's averaging fifteen point four. The next closest is LSU star Angel Reese at twelve point three. And she gets and it all was the those pop. two last year neck and neck as well. It yeah. was Angel Reese and Lauren Gustin. And, and so in the Big Twelve, Gustin is uh dominating. Yes. And and has those twenty three double doubles also leading the country. Um it's fascinating. And and you called the the Baylor win. The other night when 18th ranked Baylor was here, it seemed like a couple of years ago, Baylor was the UConn. You know, they were right. the best of the best. Right. And they were heavily favorites in that one. Um, but the Cougars turned in their best performance of the year from start to finish. Yeah. And in that game, don't get me wrong, that Baylor team is so talented. Like they have some legit athletic guards, some posts inside that are very physical, some All-American posts. And it looked like the Baylor Bears were just gassed. I don't know how much the elevation affected them, but BYU was pushing the ball at a pace that they wanted to. They were Every time that Amari Whiting gets that ball, she sets the tempo, whether it's offense or defense. But on the offensive side, she's pushing the pace, and you could just see that they that the long haul was going to play in favor for BYU because they were playing at such a fanatic pace that Baylor couldn't keep up. We, we had Amari on the show. Um, with Amber, actually. We had two of yeah. them, which was really fun to have mm-hmm. him here in studio with us. Um, and you and I have talked um, on and off the air about Amari Whiting. You you think she's the real deal? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, she's the key. Uh, Lauren Gustin, obviously, is your main piece. But if you don't have a point guard that can go against the guards in this conference to get the ball where it needs to go, set the offense up, and then just as equally as important, set the tone defensively. She's their ball hawk defensively. And every time you watch her, her job is to stop the ball at midcourt. So that's what she has to do because if she allows these guards to play downhill and get out in transition, 
it breaks apart the defense. It's too hard to recover at that point. And, and Amari's just so crucial to that. And no, she's not pulling numbers that's leading the nation like Lauren, but the tandem of those two is pretty dynamic. Then you throw in this sharpshooting freshman, Kaylee Wolston, who's third in the country in, in three-point percentage. Like, there's a lot of potential there, and especially when you got two true freshmen in the backcourt. As you've watched uh, Amari um, be a freshman that's had to start because of uh, Nani Fawatea bolted and, and there was no one left. Uh, Mackie Williams hurt her, got hurt. There's no other guards left, so the two kids go in, the two freshmen. Um, and you know what? She plays as a freshman sometimes. Absolutely. Which, uh, hey, that pass, that, that, that's never going to work. Or, or this drive, you, you need to pull it out and, and, and you explain it as, as it's going on. But, but what have you seen from her that, that uh, gives you hope that by the time she is a junior and a senior is the best guard in the Big 12? I just think her maturity throughout the season. And, and it's, if you go back to that very first game of the season, I don't know if you guys have heard this story, but she went into halftime, they're down, and she had probably four or five turnovers. And Coach Whiting talks to the team and says, "We this is not how we're going to play. We got to take care of the basketball. We got to do a better job. We got to do, you know. And Amari comes out of the bathroom, just sobs to her mom and says, I, I, I'm struggling. I'm terrible right now. And Amber said, no, 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 we're not doing this right now. No, I don't have anybody else. You got to suck it up and you got to go out and compete. Well, she turned it around and, and had like five assists and one turnover and just was able to really come back and help them. But that just shows you like the expectation from her mom. She's still going to be mom off yeah. the court. Yeah. She doesn't call her mom. We, no. we said, we said, what do you call her? She goes, Amber, <laughs> you call her Amber coach, call her, her coach. coach. Yeah. So we, we correct her. She calls her coach since she came on the show. Yeah. But I just thought, I thought that was so such a special moment, but it, it really shows you yeah. the relationship and confidence that Amber has in her and the need for her. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and how important she is. She doesn't play like a true freshman, especially yeah. at this point in the season, like her awareness and court vision and uh, the, the chemistry that she's created with the players, her and Kaylee have off the charts chemistry. They're roommates off the court. But when their shot clock's going down, we've seen this several times throughout the season, her head is up looking for Woolston to find her and try and take a shot or at least get a, a last and, and those, shot. And those two, the fact that they're playing as freshmen together and they developed this chemistry, and it seems like they just turned a corner this last week. Can that be the best guard tandem in the league before it's all said and done, like three years from oh, now? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's potential there for sure. You stay healthy. That's a big part of it. Um, and I think the pieces that they're going to have to fill after this year are going to be a big part of it. Yeah. But uh, what I've seen so far in Amari Whiting and Kaylee Woolston, two of the best players that by the time they're done will have worn a BYU jersey. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's fun stuff. BYU's at UCF tomorrow, Tuesday, 4 o'clock Mountain Time on ESPN+. Plus. And BYU Radio, and then a rematch with Kansas on Saturday at the Marriott Center for Mountain Time on ESPN Plus and BYU Radio, and you'll be back on that call. Kristen Kozlowski is with us on the Wise Guys. Played for the Cougars in 2004 and 2005 after transferring from Boise State. Scored 47 points in a game while playing at Viewmont High School up in Centerville, Utah. Do you what? remember that night? That's right, I do. Three quarters. Wasn't even four quarters. Who was it against? I told Northridge. Northridge? Yes, Northridge. That's where uh, Spencer Linton went to high school, so remind oh, me of that. Oh, wow. Well, so I'm going to tell Spencer What's that like? To, were you just feeling it? 47. <laughs> I, I was, and I didn't shoot a lot of threes in high school and not until I got to BYU, but um, I, I didn't even know till that night when coach called me and said, you broke the state record. I should have kept you in for the fourth quarter because I didn't even play the fourth quarter. Oh, come on, coach. Game. You could have been to 60. You got a 65. Hey, you know what? I know. You, somebody just asked this question because you just said, hey, come on, coach. Yeah. Um, 
so Mark Brown says, hey, we love watching Kristen uh, on BYU basketball broadcast. Have you ever thought about going into coaching or do you like the media side of the game better? Oh, yes. I, I do coach my kids. Believe it or not, <laughs> I've coached all of my boys in travel ball, AAU ball, every single one of them yeah. up until high school. And then you give, you give them to the high school um, coach and then, uh, high school. then it gets a little bit more of this, you know, yeah, we're, well, they're we're telling heads. Yeah. yeah. But, and you know, mom's on the bench. I coached Brody when I was pregnant with eight months, nine months pregnant with my youngest. Oh wow! And it was actually me and Mike Wilson, Zach Wilson's father. Right. We were the coaches of their little Bantam team. Let and, me ask you this. If you're, you're nine months pregnant and oh, you're out arguing a call with an official, did you always win I all always those calls? Won, but oh, yeah. I didn't always Who's win rule with my against child. That? Yeah. <laughs> did, Bro, did Brody ever say, Mom, you don't know what you're talking about? No. My my boys are pretty receptive and, and, you know, credit to my husband because he put the foot down and said, you will never disrespect your mom. Even if she's your coach, you treat her, you know. And so we always had a really good relationship, but I, I could always get to that point where I knew they needed to move on and be pushed by somebody else. But to your, to your question, I did want to coach right out of uh, college. And I interviewed for the Westminster job, the Dixie State job at the time, and those doors kind of closed, and then the door opened up at BYU TV, and so I just followed that path. What do you like most about uh, BYU TV? Broadcasting games. We've done it for uh, what feels like forever. What, what do you enjoy the most about well, it? Well, other than being to work, ability to work with you two and you oh. know see you guys on a weekly basis, um, oh. I would say... No, she said other than. <laughs> other than. <laughs> Yeah. By the way, remember, we're still on the show after you're done, so we can clarify a lot of things. I do enjoy the people (laughs) I work with, and and you guys know, like, we've had so many good memories at the WCC tournaments and going to Vegas together and And all of that. There's so much that's that goes on. Like I've always thought we should just put a, like a glasses cam or something. Record it for all of the conversations we have when we're not on the air. Yeah. Because that's when it really, the That'd game really gets broken ticket. down. Because we don't pull, hold anything yeah. back and <laughs> Tyler's going off and you're, you know. Yes. Yeah. It's, but I do think uh, it's it allowed me as a mom to still be at home and be able to still keep my foot in the door and be a part of sports and be yeah. a part of BYU and, and not, you know, I've, I've watched how many coaches have to be in those meetings late night after a loss to like 2 a.m., 3 a.m., and I'm calling a game and going home. And I absolutely love it because I'm still close to the teams. I still get to know all of these unique people, these coaches throughout the nation. And it's it's just a great opportunity. You guys are a great sports family. And it's not just basketball. Obviously, basketball is a big part of it. Brody's the best player in the state right now. Um, and, and signed with USC, heading off to USC. Your next oldest is a big-time football guy. He is. Yeah. So my Jace, who's a sophomore, is uh, right neck and neck with Brody right now in height. His challenge is putting on weight, especially in the football when he plays on the line. But mm-hmm. the coach care up at Corner Canyon is shifting him to defensive end and maybe a little bit of tight end. And he's just he's got great hands and he's quick off the line. And, and so it's I was telling you before this, it's very interesting when they're passionate about something, how early they're willing to wake themselves up. You know, when it comes to school, I'm mm-hmm. dragging him out of bed. Yeah. But when it comes to football workups, workouts, he's getting himself up. That's it, universal. Yes. By the way. There, there has yeah. been some talk with, with Brody um, because he's a phenomenal prospect. And, you know, whether or not he becomes an NBA prospect or not depends on how he develops. Right. right. That's at everybody Absolutely. at this age with the exception of a few crazy people like LeBron, right? But but Brody has the potential at 6-7, the way he handles the ball, the way he shoots, and if he continues to develop and with with all of his skills and his strength, have could have a chance to play in the league the way he shoots. But there's those have come to you and said he's an NFL tight end. Yeah. Yeah, like why had, why is he not playing football? Even, he, he's like custom made. Yeah. 
if you look at how broad his shoulders are and his ability to just his quickness at his size and his hands, I mean, it really crosses over. That's what I love about athletes that play two sports because especially like a football basketball kid, the, the basketball really crosses over into the football world and especially with his situation and how big he is. But We've had several even coaches this day after he signed with USC. Oh, you you let me put pads on him and he's an <laughs> NFL guy, you know, yeah. and and not that it's oh, okay, well this is your plan B. This is what we scouted out for you, but Brody's all in on basketball and he has been since he's a little kid, but I think there's always the ability to transition over and you know, he's been blessed with great genetics my husband's side and everybody knows Glenn and playing in the NFL and there's a network there for that and as well as Uncle Mike who played for the Dolphins and um, right now he's just all in in basketball, but I do think there's that potential if he wanted it to export. You know, uh, we saw a lot of hits in the Super Bowl last night. Yes, the NBA and college is physical in basketball. It's nothing like that. No, as a parent, I think you probably go, yeah, hey, basketball seems like it's yeah. just the the right thing. That's the back and forth in our house too. Is whose sport is tougher? You know, because Jason Brody will go at it and yeah. say, no, you're not getting hit like I am. Did the family <laughs> gather and watch the Super Bowl yesterday? We did. So yeah. who 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 are you guys rooting for? Well, I, I was kind of pulling for the 49ers, honestly. Yeah. I just thought, well, let's have some change. Let's have it be interesting. I just love a good game. So the fact that it went into overtime, I thought was super rewarding. But my little, you know, my 10-year-old, who's an amazing quarterback, loves Patrick Mahomes. So he's pulling for Mahomes, and he's wanting, you know. So each one kind of had a connection. And I think in this day and age with the younger kids, it's more of a player connection. Who am I connected to that I love to follow? Not necessarily, I'm, this is my favorite team at times, but what players am I watching? So Fred Warner was a big one. And right. yeah. Just the Utah connections, that, the players that played at BYU, that we were following a lot of those players. And Andy, we all follow Andy yep. and try to stay close to Andy. My granddaughters, every time Taylor Swift was on, oh, that's their favorite part, they probably. went crazy. They just went crazy. Yeah, so, but we didn't have a pro Taylor crowd in our Yeah, they weren't, they weren't rooting for <laughs> the Chiefs for because either. of Andy. They were rooting for the Chiefs because that's Taylor Swift's team. Yeah. And they made no bones about Think it. Think about how many households are that and way, my, too. And my two yeah. granddaughters that that don't watch football watched the whole game. Wow. That's what Taylor Swift... I, I, I got to admit, she's doing some stuff for, for yeah. NFL football. Absolutely, she and is. And we, we did this over-under thing, little thing. My granddaughter Madison won. And the worst score was her dad, Kellen, who was a three-year starter at BYU Safety. Oh, my goodness. Madison won. She was only watching it for Taylor Swift. Yeah. I love it. Hey, let's shift to basketball and, and do our Cougar Board question of the week to get us going in these final few minutes with Kristen Kozlowski. Uh, if you're not familiar with Cougar Board, it's the largest online community of BYU fans. Thousands of posts daily. And this question comes from uh, Durandal, one of their insider subscribers. So we're going to give it to you. Uh, BYU was fortunate to ward off a late game rally against Kansas State. But these types of rallies by opponents in the second half seem to be a pattern. Why do you think BYU is giving up these scoring runs, and what do you think they can do to try and limit these going forward? Oh, that's a great question, especially taking on UCF tomorrow. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, that one became very close late in the game as well, where mm-hmm. they went on a stretch. Uh, I, I do think that it can be a number of things, and it's it's just based on game to game, depending on what runs. You know, we, we saw in that Kansas State game where BYU went on a six-minute run where they hadn't scored a field goal. Um, and sometimes they aren't as proficient at getting to the free throw line as I think we would like them to, but that's not a huge part of their game and what they do. But I, I think it can be a difference of rotations and maybe other players on the other team going off. We saw Kaluma go off in that Kansas State game, and then BYU couldn't quite respond to that or you know hit the shots. But when you really look at it, 
I've been impressed with BYU's ability to hold them off defensively and make enough stops to keep their lead. And then at the end, hit big time shots. And and this is what BYU does. They've got a team full of guys that'll hit big shots. Jackson Robinson hits that three late in the game. Spencer Johnson, the awareness is just dribble out the clock, and then they try to overplay him on that play, and he gets in there Goes for a the layup. Paint. So the, the maturity of this team, I think it, it's the game of basketball is built on momentum, and you're going to see it with BYU. You're going to see it with every team. It, it ebbs and flows throughout the course of the game. And this is what no different with BYU. But the maturity that we've seen in the experience that they have this year, I don't think they win some of those games where teams come back like they would this year compared to last year. We, we talked about this on the air the other night and off the air. Um, first of all, Spencer Johnson, I love the fact that when we asked him, he said, well, yeah, when I dribbled through the paint, I noticed nobody was in the paint. Yeah. So when I came and turned around and I thought, nobody's in the paint. I'm just going to go, I'll just go right back in the paint and finish. And, and it was like parting of the Red Sea. So that's that experience you talk about. So he's dribbling out. He notices, what, why are they not guarding the interior? This is where I'm going to score. He knew that. Yeah. Right? But you're the one that brought this up on the air. And you said that sometimes to close out a game, you got to make free throws down the stretch because the other team's playing so aggressively defensively that they're going to foul you. Um, and so you're not getting shots off. You're getting fouled. So the way you have to score is from the free throw line, and I don't know if you can remember the number because you told us on the air. It was what, four for 12. At the end. Four, BYU went four for 12 in the second half at the free throw line. Yeah, and you, yeah. you, you pointed that out, and I was like, well, there's, there's the in that game, and you in their game specific, in that game, it wasn't so much they couldn't make a shot, they were getting fouled. Yeah. But, Which is a good thing, right? That, that you're Because teams are going to overplay them. Right. That's the game's plan. That's the scout. BYU's a three-point shooting team. Let's run them off the three. Let's make them make long twos, put the ball on the floor, make it make tough shots inside the perimeter. But if they're getting fouled, they're taking the contact. That's even better. And part of that's the inside game with Foose, right? Right. But I do think, to your point, it's like we got to hit more four, free throws. Four, and then I think we, we decided that three of those were the front end of one-on-ones. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the equivalent of going four of sixteen, right? Or maybe maybe not quite that four of fifteen. It, it, so all they have to do is make. Free, so is there something they could do differently in preparation that they can make more of those free throws down the stretch that are important? Well, I think it's all mental. By the time you get there and you're at this level, it's a mental part of the game, and no. sometimes that can be contagious, where you see a teammate step up and they miss the front end of a one on one. Or another teammate steps up, and then the other guy feels maybe just a little bit more pressure, whether they acknowledge that or not, or realize in their head, oh, well, it's getting tight. I, I got to knock this down. But BYU did enough early, which is what we talked about. Mm-hmm. They've, they've done enough early in the first half. Sometimes they don't start too strong, but the, kind of the, the gut of that first half, the middle of the first half, BYU did really good in terms of stretching out that lead, hitting shots, getting into a flow so that it carried them when they were in a scoring drought of that six minutes, no field goal. And then they were able to close it out with their defense. And their defense and physicality coming into this year have been the biggest changes that I've seen, along with, I would say, that maturity and experience Mm -hmm. with these guys. But you you have to be able to defend – and what they're doing with their defense, they're not they're not going to be up pressuring you the whole game like we've seen with some of these teams, these tough defenses like Iowa State or Houston. Or, but this is a BYU team that's smart defensively. And they they play into those strengths and they pack line it sometimes and they get in those passing lanes or driving lanes and 
Just do a really good job not over gambling with who they have. Yeah, keep ES- everything in front of them. ESPN has BYU's a lock for the big dance as of today. Central Florida at the Marriott Center tomorrow night. BYU football recruiting guru Jeff Hansen is going to join us in just a couple of moments. Blaine's going to hit you up with five good questions. Mm-hmm. Before we do that, Valentine's Day is coming up. We know Travis is listening or will Ooh. listen. Oh. Uh, what are your expectations from Travis? And didn't you guys meet on Valentine's Day 2005? Oh, it was close to Valentine's close Day. It was about a week before that. So right yes. around. This yeah. is a special time yeah. for the Cosmos. We, we know that, that Travis is, he's a very romantic guy. He's always thinking romantically. He is. Spe- and it makes it more difficult in the chaos of our lives, right? Because yeah. we got a couple games on sure. Wednesday night and, you yeah. know. <laughs> got life. Yeah. But uh, he's, he's already ahead of the game. Like he's already laid out, hey, we're going to go to breakfast together after we get the kids off to school. We've got pedicures and manicures set up. We've got wow. massages set up. Good job, Travis. Yeah. So no, not now. I hope Brenda is still at yeah, the basketball take, game. Hopefully she's not listening. <laughs> no, because I think she's at Brad's Travis has gone next level. She cannot hear this nonsense. That is crazy. Okay, yeah. well, that's a good Travis, day for you. what are you trying to do it. here? Make us all look bad? Now this i got to up my game. Yeah. That's really... Remember, it is wow. a two-way street. I, I understand. Valentine's is a two-way so street. When that off the second part of the street's often left off. When does the When does the wife... Reciprocate for Valentine's Day. Uh, this is more of a husband needs to be, you know, like the flowers and the chocolates, right? Don't you feel like it's more of the yeah, husband needs yeah. to put more effort in on Valentine's Day? I don't Valentine's. think the wife does anything on Valentine's no, Day. No, they, they do. You know, make his favorite meal or his breakfast. Yeah, see, that's you know? good. What do you do for him way. on Father's Day? That's the question. Yeah, that's Father's it. Day is a big one, but it's a lot of my kids, you know, whatever yeah. dad wants, you help him out or you, there you go. take care of it. Okay. okay. All right, let's All go. Right. Five questions. Okay, five questions. Your favorite sports movie? Oh, gosh. I would probably have to say Hoosiers. That's the same as Marie Osmond. Yeah. That's a I classy that choice. Yep. Uh, favorite singer or band? Celine Dion, hands down. Really? Oh, wow. You didn't waste yeah. any time on that. No. Yeah, and all my kids know it. Okay. Yeah. What's your favorite song that she sings? Oh, I, I would have to go with Beauty and the Beast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Taylor's it's older. probably okay, that's a classic. A yeah. All right. Okay. Um, um, favorite breakfast cereal? Cereal. Um, honey Bunches of Oats. Okay. That's a good one. Are we writing these down? Yeah. Because yeah. I kind of keep track of them. I have a whole thing of them. We can use it against you if we yeah. have okay. to sometimes. Taking um, a poll. Yeah. Yeah. The worst cereal we've ever heard was Danny Ainge, plain shredded wheat without any. No sugar? No. It didn't feel like he had a lot of agency in that decision. No, I, I think, like cut up fruit or something no, on it? No, no. Oh I, think, I think this is on Michelle, actually, because okay. I think it is. So okay. since right. the heart problems. Yeah. Oh, okay. That makes so, sense. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Plain shredded wheat, I would put like nine teaspoons of sugar on it. But yeah, anyhow. that's not that, good. It's frosted mini wheats after that. That's not good. Get enough well, sugar then on why there. not just do Probably frosted mini wheats? <laughs> Captain Crunch right there. Oh, see, that's Trav's favorite. Yeah. But yeah. he doesn't see? love the berries. He no, likes no, the plain. Just like it straight. Yep. Yeah. I don't, need any, found, I don't need any decorations. He finally found another person that just likes that's some plain. That's Travis. Because the rest of us like And my kids are like, give me all your berries. Yeah. Yeah. I like the crunch berries. So there you go. I'm a cinnamon life guy. So, your favorite memory at BYU? Oh, favorite memory? Do I have to just pick one? Um, you can give us a couple. I would say the, the, the trips that you went on. Like, I, I think some of those vacation, well, I say vacation, but it was so fun with my teammates. And I'll pick one. We went to Alaska. We played in the Anchorage shootout out there at University of Alaska. Um, that was one of my better tournaments as a player. But Travis had a lot of fa- extended family when we went there. We get off the plane they surround us with, with family that we've never met. They're probably third, yeah. fourth generation family. And they put on a huge luau at the church for us, fed everyone. It was this big, huge deal when we were there. So that's probably my favorite memory. That's pretty cool. Awesome. That's yeah. a spectacular place too, isn't it? So. Yeah. Well, we went in November, so it was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. 
your favorite piece of advice you've ever given your children? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I would say, remember who you are when nobody's watching. Mm. Yeah, and, and act as if someone is, but when nobody's watching, who are you truly? That's the great character reveal, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Who you yeah, are. I Very like that. good. All right, Excellent. Friday morning, you're uh, co-hosting BYU Sports Nation. Yeah, is that correct? On I BYU am. TV. Who are you on with on Friday? I don't even know. I didn't know if it was Dave or something. No, no you're doing be baseball. In Arizona. So. He's, he's doing baseball by himself. Yeah. By myself. So maybe Spencer or Jam. One, one of, of those two. And then uh, on the call Saturday. Yep. For and the then you and I have a game a later one. in the month. Yeah. Uh, I think it's Houston when they come in. We'll be back together. And We've done a lot of studio stuff. Together. We've never yeah. done a game together. We haven't. Yeah. Well, we're, we're both color analysts, so yeah. one There's of There's only has so to... many words. You know, we had Jimmer on. The three, Jimmer was <laughs> yes. with us. Yeah, And so I we know. had to find a place for where Jimmer could participate with us, as opposed to where us, how us could, could participate with yeah. Jimmer. And so it, it took a few minutes before we, when you add a third person in no a basketball game, is, you just. Hard. Yeah, because basketball, so much action carries it. In mm -hmm. football, there's so much dead time you can do that. And there's no eye contact in basketball. Yeah. In, a, in a studio, like we were all working the studio show, uh, I can, you're going to an answer. I can give you a look that you know I'm going to ask you something exactly. next. In basketball, everyone's staring straight ahead and you just kind of try to get a feel for, and is I, Jimmer done? Is I Jimmer done so we I can start? I thought that I might have to tap him a couple times, you know, yeah. under the table. Yeah, it's like, your turn or whatever. Did Kristen control Jimmer? <laughs> but, I thought she, she controlled him. I, she thought, had, uh, I thought he did a really good job, but anytime you put three on, it's difficult. And yeah. I thought, Jimmer's just a brilliant mind when yeah. it comes to the game. And so you just analyze the game and you think of it that way and don't get too overworked. Because I think when you come into this initially, you know, that was his first live game. Yeah. I think you can get a little overwhelmed thinking, oh, well, what, what do I got to remember? What do I got to, you know, and just yeah. talk about the game. Talk about the live game. Yeah. We'll have Jimmer on with us in some games as we swing back around yeah. for You know, yeah. I used to do play-by-play. You did? So I did soccer, That's men's it. volleyball. So I you did, and I, you yeah, and I really? used to do play-by-play. -play. So nice. next year you and I will do a women's game together. Yeah, we'll see. We'll you, see. You, let's let him try play by play. <laughs> yeah. I can do play by play. I like my role. <laughs> hey, sometimes Dave just walks out and I have to do it. <laughs> so Sometimes when I've just heard enough, Wait, I'm like, I'll see you after. Done. Last I'm question before you. Oh, okay, I, one I'm more. I'm giving you six questions. It's a bonus question. This is um, you and Travis, one-on-one -on -one in basketball, but you're not allowed Ooh. to take it in the paint. Oh, I'm winning hands down. Easy? Mm. Yeah, he's pretty physical. I mean, he is. Yeah, a that's what I'm saying. I, I just eliminated. You remember the Glenn, he right? He cannot go into the. Yeah, I know. You Glenn. remember Glenn? He's very physical. Now yeah. he wouldn't be with me, but uh, I can shoot. Out, and that so was, outside the paint, you, he has no chance. Yeah. Okay, I like yeah. it. I put a qualifier in there because I knew that Travis would just try to back her down and just yeah. power. We we would get that question with Brody a lot, you know, and I I could outshoot him up until a point, but not, both of us can't beat him at this point. So we even the physicality. We yeah. had we had Amari and Amber in here, and yeah. That was fun to ask them who this, who that. Well, although a lot of times you're like, we'd say, who's the best in the family? Oh, dad. Because he's a phenomenal shooter. He was yeah. a good shooter. Yeah, he's a great shooter. So, Hey, thanks for Absolutely. hanging out with us, and we'll see you in a few days. Thanks. See you Anytime. Down the road. Thanks, Chris. The great yeah. Kristen Kozlowski. See her on Friday on BYU Sports Nation and on Saturday as BYU takes on Kansas on ESPN Plus and um, Big 12 Now. Uh, and she's great. She's great at what she does. Amazing. She's also moonlights on ESPN and all that other stuff. Yep. We, we love her. Um, and Kristen, be safe driving that. I think it's a Humvee limo or she's something. She's safe it's driving gigantic. that. It's everyone else that needs a heads it's up. It's like a Humvee limo out there in the driveway. BYU kicks off spring practice on Thursday, February 29th. The Cougars' second season in the Big 12 starts on Saturday, August 29th. 
No, August 31st against Southern Illinois with the Big 12 opener September 21st against Kansas State. Kalani Sataki is happy with his recruiting class. He just completed it and here to discuss it, and I'm going to talk slowly here as DJ moves back over to the board, is recruiting guru Jeff Hansen of CougarSportsInsider.com, which is part of the 24-7 Sports Network. And Jeff, we welcome you to the Wise Guys. Thanks for hanging out with us on this Monday. Appreciate it. Happy, uh, happy to be here. Thank you guys for having me on. How are you guys doing tonight? Good, Jeff. It's good. Great to have. I don't know why we haven't had you on here yet. You should. We should have had you on here a long time ago. It's a treasure trove of knowledge. Yes, he is. <laughs> yes, he is. Uh, well, hey. I, I, I hope so. I'm excited to be here. I, I, I'm looking forward to it. At what point did you realize that college football was becoming a year-round thing? Man, I've always been a big recruiting guy, so I've always kind of paid attention to it you know, year long, because recruiting never stops. But I, I think in the last few years, when I started to like get tired in the months of June, I'm like, holy cow, there's there's a lot going on for the month of June. That's when I realized it kind of shifted. You know, recruiting never stopped, but now it, it never slows down either. It's uh, it's pretty gnarly all year long. Yeah, BYU just signed, well, if we include both signing dates, right? Uh, 31 kids, um, and, and they welcome back eight missionaries as well. People forget about that. They announce them, but they forget along with the kids they signed from the portal and, and out of high school. And their preferred walk-ons, Yeah, and their preferred walk-ons yeah. coming too. But 31 signees, eight missionaries, the preferred walk-ons that Dave mentions. Um, how do you feel about this class for Kalani Satake? You know, I really like the class. I, I've been asked that question a bunch in the last few weeks. And I, I think there's two, there's two, I guess, paradigms that you can really look through. And the first one, you, you, you compare BYU to where BYU has been. And in that respect, this is a really, really good recruiting class. BYU landed a, a couple of four stars that, you know, throughout those that, that decade of independence, they probably aren't getting. They flip some guys from Power 5 programs. It's definitely BYU's strongest recruiting class in, in several years. And there's an argument to be made that it's the strongest class, gosh, since, you know, the Jake Heaps class back in 2010. I think you could make that argument. Now, there's another paradigm, though, that you, you compare BYU with where they want to be, right, with the rest of the Big 12, and that's competing for championships, and there, there's still a lot to be desired there. So the, the, the steps that BYU has taken compared to where BYU has been absolutely need to be celebrated because it's a, it's a huge deal. I mean, to, to have a recruiting class like this, to make the strides that BYU has made, that's a huge win and a huge testament to what these coaches are doing. But there's still work to be done, and I, I think fans need to be careful to not celebrate too much because there is still work that needs to be done. But it, it is a celebratory cause to, to make the strides that Kalani Satake and his staff have made over the last uh, year or so. Cougar football recruiting guru Jeff Hansen on the Wise Guys. We're live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and YSGuys.com. Our live streams hopping from around the world. He also covers the Cougars for uh, CougarSportsInsider.com. What other trends do you notice in this recruiting class, which is really BYU's first as an actual member of the Big 12? You know, I, I think the biggest thing, and, and Jay Hill, Kalani, they both kind of talked about it was BYU didn't shy away from the recruiting competition. And I think if, if we're being honest, I think if you got the coaches, you gave them some truth serum, I think in the last few years when they would see some of the big boys get involved, some of those power five schools, they would kind of shy away. Maybe they wouldn't break away contact entirely, but they would take a step back and start looking for their, their plan B or plan C. That didn't happen this year. It didn't matter whether it was a Texas Tech or whether it was Utah or whoever it was. 
BYU, if they wanted somebody, they continued to stay in the fight. Now, they lost some recruiting battles, but they they won a lot more than they had. And I think that's a really encouraging trend. It's something like 86% of the, of the guys that BYU signed had competing power, fo- uh, power four offers. 86% is not 100%, but in years class, or years past, rather, it's been in the 40s, less than half of the recruiting class would have that power four offer, those competing offers. So BYU didn't shy away from competition, and that is super encouraging because there's going to be a lot of competition moving forward. Yeah, Jeff, I've heard inside and outside the program, and I want to get your take on this for sure, where people go, yeah, sometimes we don't get the stars because we get an LDS kid, and we still use that term LDS, but mm-hmm. but um, uh, from Northern California, and he commits after his sophomore year, um, and it doesn't matter whether that kid really should be a four-star or not, he stays a three-star because he committed to us. Uh, so say, say a Fred Warner commits after his sophomore year, which uh, this isn't the case, but but and then, then he's Fred Warner, and he's great. And they go, well, Fred would never be more than a three-star recruit because he, he committed to us. Does that go away with BYU being in the Big 12, or was that ever really a thing? You know, I, I from a rating standpoint, uh, it, it might have been a thing. I think it would be silly. I look at a guy like Connor Pay. Uh, who's exactly what you described, Landon. Mm-hmm. He committed early. He could have got a ton of offers, a ton of attention. He could have chased offers, gone to camps, chased the spotlight, and his rating probably would have climbed. But he was happy where he was at. He knew he wanted to go to BYU, so he didn't do that. So I think I think that there are certainly some examples where that's exactly what happens. Uh, but I, I think what's changed, and I, I've got to go you know, back to when Matt Bushman was being recruited. Uh, Matt Bushman... Uh, out of Arizona, highly recruited guy. Once he committed to BYU, I, I talked to a number of different schools and you know contacts along the way that at that point in time, they said, ah, he's committed to BYU, LDS dude going to BYU. We're not even going to try. It's not even worth it. We're, he, he's, he already has it locked in. And I think Matt Bushman, you know, his rating was probably capped as a result because there, there just wasn't a whole lot of, of attention. But nowadays... I think that's changed. And I don't know why. Maybe it's independence. Some of these other schools thought they could flip guys. I, I don't know what it is. But now you get a guy like Reiner Swanson this year, mm-hmm. plays the same position as Matt Bushman. He committed to BYU. Everybody kind of knew where he was going to go. But that didn't stop schools like Texas and Oregon from making a push all the way up until the very end. And then even after he committed, still trying to get him to flip from that uh, that BYU commitment. And his rating climbed as a result, as there was a ton of attention, and you know he had a lot of spotlight on him. So I don't know, Blaine. I mean, to answer your question, I think historically, yeah, there was probably several examples of that that you could point to in every class. Uh, but right now, I, I, I just, I don't know what it is. But schools aren't as intimidated by that BYU commit, so they're going to continue to chase guys, even though they're committed to BYU. Kalani uh, said in his press conference uh, announcing this uh, February class that they've changed their strategy to go get guys who are ready now instead of guys that they can develop and in four years have ready to go. And I think the first year of the Big 12 kind of revealed where they were depth-wise. So of this group that he's brought in, let's put you on the spot, uh, who in this group do you think will be on the field competing for minutes uh, on the last Saturday of August? Yeah, I'm a big fantasy football guy. And so when I'm looking at fantasy football, there's a couple of things. You've got to have talent, but then there has to be opportunity for somebody to play. And so I think when you look at early contributors for BYU, it's the same kind of equation. 
There's got to be talent. There's got to be guys who are ready as true freshmen, but there also has to be an opportunity for that true freshman to step onto the field. So for me, I, I look at the free safety spot. BYU was riddled with injuries last year. Uh, I mean, there were walk-ons that were filling out both the one and two spot of the two deep in the, the, that latter third of the season. So I think the opportunity is going to be there because it's wide open. There, there really isn't any one guy or even a couple of guys that you look at and say, absolutely, it's going to be one of those two players. So for that, I, I look at a guy like Tommy Prassus. He's not the highest uh, highest rated recruit in this class, but he's already on campus. Jay Hill loves him. He he really impressed Jay Hill at uh, at a camp over the summer. He's already he's a super smart guy, already learning the playbook. I think he's going to have an opportunity to play. I think Falatau Satuala, who who BYU said that he's going to stick at the free safety spot. Satuala's just got so much talent uh, that he's going to be really really difficult to keep off the field. And then again, kind of that, that same nature of, of try to find the opportunity. BYU needs help on the interior of the defensive line. Danny Saili is a lot. He's a big dude, mm-hmm. and, and he's going to have an opportunity to play because, one, he's, he's talented. He's very, very good. But BYU needs help, and they need help right away. So a guy like Saili is going to be looked at and given more opportunities than, say, you know, a highly touted linebacker who maybe would come into this class, but but he's going to be buried on the depth chart because that depth chart's a little bit more concrete at this point. Yeah, or wide receiver, which is just loaded, you know, coming yeah. back. So, uh, and we you've already alluded to some of this. You mentioned the safeties and perhaps the defensive line. Are there other areas of this team that you're as you look at BYU's makeup and what they've recruited the last couple of years and what they put on the field last year that you go, I have some concerns about this position group. Is there is there uh, another one, a running back, quarterback? Is there another group that you go, hmm, I wonder. Yeah, I you know, run. I think you hit them both right there. Running back, you have to look at a little bit. I, I'm a little bit higher on what's coming back. I think BYU has a little bit more depth than maybe the 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 average fan does. I like Kinkley Ropati coming back a lot. I think LJ takes a big step forward. Uh, but the quarterback position, Blaine. I mean, that that's BYU's bread and butter. When BYU's good, they have good quarterback play. I like the quarterbacks that are in the room, but there, there's no question in my mind that they, they don't have that bona fide, this is your clear cut number one, no matter what. And in some respects, I think that's good because I think there's going to be competition. These guys are going to have to fight and compete for a job all throughout the offseason. I don't think uh, that Aaron Roderick's going to anoint a starter coming out of spring ball. I think there will be healthy competition all summer, and that's good. Uh, but until you see somebody in week one come out and do what they're supposed to do within the offense, I think you have to be concerned with with what BYU has at the quarterback spot right now. Jeff Hansen of 24-7 Sports on the Wise Guys, breaking down BYU's recruiting class and previewing spring practice here on the Wise Guys. Let's take that a, a step further. If Gary Bohannon, and we were both impressed by him, he was here uh, last week on Wise Guys, and we were also impressed with Jake Retzlaff. The only problem with Jake is he went 0 for 4 when he got his moment at the end of the season. That's the last we remember because that was the last we saw. Uh, if Bohannon is healthy, uh, and he claims that he is, and, uh, and they scouted him out before they, they brought him in, we're eager to watch him play. Uh, but is he not exactly what Aaron Roderick wants to run that offense? Big body, strong arm, very mobile with a whole lot of experience. And he's got a big 12 championship. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think we saw last year uh, with Keaton Slovis, Retzlaff, Ryder Burt. I mean, everybody was new in the room. So there was so much learning what the offense was, learning where you can take chances, you know, learning where your reads are. And we saw some of those struggles as it looked like quarterbacks, you know, they, they were processing a little bit slower than we were used to with Jaron Hall and Zach Wilson. 
And, and so I think Gary Bohannon's experience with the offense, his experience at high levels of college football, absolutely is what, what Aaron Roderick is looking for. It really comes down to that help. I mean, a, a shoulder injury, a pretty major shoulder injury that knocked him out for all of last year. That's a big question mark. Now, if he can prove to be healthy, and I've talked to some people, some friends down at USF that that were there when he was going through some of his rehab that said, hey, he looks healthy. He looks better than he did when he got to USF the, uh, the first time. I mean, so people think that he is healthy. He's got to come out and prove that. And if he can, uh, I agree with you, Dave. I think he's exactly what Aaron Roderick likes because he is poised. He can move around a little bit, but he can facilitate an offense and I think in this offense, while you would love to have a Zach Wilson or a Jaron Hall, that's that true NFL type player. I think there's enough weapons on this offense at the receiver position and running back that if you just have somebody who can protect the ball and facilitate things, this offense can move and be significantly better than they were a year ago. You mentioned just a minute ago, LJ Martin said you thought he'd take a big step forward, but that's always a position where you have to have depth. You also mentioned Ropati. Is, is this a position you feel like no, there's enough depth there that they're okay. Or is this one where you take another peek in the next uh, transfer portal opening to see if there's somebody out there that fell through the cracks to come in and bolster that running back group? I think they would love to add another running back. They they don't have the scholarship capital that you can say, absolutely, they have to go get another running back. So there's still another transfer portal window. And depending on what kind of attrition BYU sees coming out of spring ball, maybe a scholarship opens up and then I would immediately put uh, running back right towards the top of the list of, of positions you've got to go and get and find somebody who can at least push the rest of the group. But as it stands right now, I think BYU has probably three guys that they feel okay with. You know, I think they feel great with LJ Hinkley Ropati coming back. I think is a good thing. Miles Davis coming back. So I think they have three guys that they feel pretty good about. If they can add a fourth, great. Otherwise, you're hoping that a, you know Enoch Nawahine steps up. Maybe they bring Luve Hilo back from the defensive side. He played some running back last year. So they have some options if a scholarship doesn't open up. But as it stands right now, I think the scholarship capital is going to prevent them from saying, we have to go get a running back in the, in the spring window. A couple of questions on the live stream talking about that offensive line. The guys in front of the guys that we're talking about, uh, the, the running game was, was terrible last season. Um, new line coach, Pays back, Kimes back, a couple other guys are back. How do you feel about the offensive line moving forward? And is, is last year just kind of a, an enigma, or, or is there a major overhaul of, of running attack that needs to get done in the spring? Well, to answer the offensive line, I kind of look at the defensive line as, as maybe the case study for what the coaches are thinking. The defensive line had its own set of struggles last year. BYU, you know, struggled stopping the run and struggled, you know, mightily at times. And look at what they did with the recruiting class. They went out and they added a ton of talent along the defensive line. And it was clear to me that Jay Hill, Kalani Satake, they said, hey, we have a talent problem at the defensive line. We need to bring more in. So you look at what they did on the offensive line. And if we conclude that, hey, the defensive line had a talent problem, so they went and added a bunch. Look at the offensive line and look at what they did, right? Actions speak louder than words. They, they got rid of an offensive line coach, brought somebody else in, a new voice, but they went out and they, they fought hard to keep Connor Pay, to bring you know, Caleb Etienne back, to bring uh, Braden Kime back. They're, they're trying to bring guys back, and they didn't go out and add a whole bunch. Now, they may still add one or two more, 
but they didn't go out and add bodies at all costs on the offensive line. They, they kind of rolled with continuity and tried to bring some guys back. So to me, that says that, that Aaron Roderick, that Kalani, they're looking at this offensive line and saying, nope, this was a coaching problem, a schematic problem, a game plan problem, whatever problem that they addressed with a coach, but they think they have the requisite talent to compete if they can get the coaching spot right. Now they got to add some depth. I think they'll still probably look at one or two. I know they've had scholarships, you know, kind of earmarked for an, uh, an offensive lineman or two. I think that still is the case. But I think by and large, they feel better about the talent level of the offensive line than, than say, they do the defensive line. What, what, what's your thought on uh, on the new coaches that were brought in and the, and what they'll bring uh, to this offense? What changes might we see offensively with a new offensive line coach and a new tight ends coach? Yeah, I, I look at everything through a lens of a recruit, right? So as soon as these new coaches are hired – I want to try to reach out to as many of the recruits that they're recruiting to kind of get a feel for like, Hey, Hey, what are they selling? What do you think? What do you, what do you think about these guys? And the resounding feedback that I've heard about uh, coach Woods is that he's a hard nosed guy. I mean, he's a no nonsense guy, uh, you know, for a fan base that has clamored for accountability and and somebody to bring some discipline or or whatever, you know, uh, adjective people have wanted to use. They've wanted that. And it seems like TJ Woods is that guy. He's a no nonsense guy. Uh, I look at what he has done throughout his career when he's had elite talent or even good talent, right? Back at Utah State, at Wisconsin, and even at Oregon State, he's been really good when he's had talent. Now, he's been at some places like, you know, Georgia Southern, Western Kentucky that hasn't had that level of talent, and there's been some struggles. But when he has talent, he he brings results. And I think you're going to see a disciplined offensive line. I don't think you're going to see you know, missed blocks and pre-snap penalties. Now you hope that he can design a game plan with coach Roderick. They could figure out the schematic side of things, but I don't think BYU is going to allow themselves. I don't think coach Woods rather is going to allow BYU to be beat because of effort and to be beat because of, of being in the wrong spot. If these guys don't know their assignment and they're not given hundred percent, they will not play. Now, coach Gilbride, you mentioned him uh, the same thing. I, I, I talked to recruits. That's what I want to know that that's kind of my barometer for how people are feeling about them. And recruits are excited. Admittedly, they didn't know much about him, right? I don't think a lot of people knew very much about him when he got announced. And so everybody looked at the press release and took to Wikipedia to find out, hey, he's got a pretty impressive NFL resume. But other than that, we didn't know much about him. Uh, But recruit feedback so far has been that, wow, this guy really knows ball. They can sit and talk X's and O's with him. And he demands a high level of execution as well. So I think BYU's added two uh, you know, disciplinarians, uh, whatever whatever word you want to use to describe them. I think they've added two coaches that are going to bring a different field to practice, and then you're going to see a different result on the on the field in games as a result. Well, well said, Jeff. I, you know, interesting thing to me, it seemed like when BYU ran the ball better toward the end of the year last year, and we talked about this a lot on the air um, with with our other analysts. They they ran a little more downhill. It fit, fit the running back style, even LJ's a little bit, where rather than run zone, especially outside zone, they ran some counter and power. The one thing I do know about TJ Woods is that he's got a great history of teams that run counter and power and pull guards and tackles. And so I would bet we're going to see a lot more of that in the offense next year. I think it fits the style of these offensive linemen and mm-hmm. the running backs BYU is coming back. So so look for that a little bit. I think we'll see a little more of that. Chris Brooks and Aiden Robbins would have loved that. They would have that. loved that. They, they would have loved that. Absolutely would have loved it. But I think LJ will love it too. College so. football recruiting guru Jeff Hansen with us on the Wise Guys tonight. A couple of more questions, and then we'll hit you up with five fun ones. Uh, as you look at the fall schedule, uh, Jeff, considering the talent BYU has now, uh, what kind of season do you project? 
Man, I, the Big 12, I, I'm super happy that BYU's there like everybody is, but they have not done BYU any favors for the scheduling front for, for two years in a row now. I think this schedule is as tough as it gets in the Big 12 with, with, with who BYU matches up against. Uh, there's there's no easy weekends. There's no weekends that you're feeling like, hey, this is a this is a definite win once you get into that conference slate. So I think it's going to be a lot how it was last year. The games are going to be tight, and it's going to come down to a couple of plays. Now, I, I don't think that BYU, as a result of the talent, some of the changes – I don't think you're going to have that stretch where BYU just got blown out by, by teams there, you know, late October, early November. I don't think you're going to see that, but I do think you're going to see nine straight weeks in the big 12 of, of toss up games. I think BYU has a really, really difficult slate. Uh, I do like the way that it breaks down in terms of thirds. I think having a couple of bye weeks is good. There's no crazy road trip. So if these are the nine teams BYU has to play, I think that lines up really well for BYU but they definitely got nine of the toughest teams to play in the conference. It's going to be fun. Yeah, a couple of questions. This is from Brent Hansen, which somehow I'm feeling is related to you. Because he, <laughs> he says, what kind of effect is the Big 12 schedule going to have on Deer Camp? Yeah, that's, a, that's an important one for <laughs> yes, us. For your family, it sounds like this is important. That, that is an important one. We usually, you know, we can schedule things around conference weekend. There's a Friday night game. I think the Big 12 looked out for the Hanson family deer camp. It's a bye week now. We, we can go the whole week and enjoy it. Thank uh, goodness deer yeah, camp. Brent also says Jeff's on. always bringing the heat. Keep it up. So that's from Brent. And then um, then Jay Hanson, I don't think related, 1224, says, how does BYU's present talent compare with Utah's? That's what a lot of people are asking out there. Is there, is there really a big talent gap or is it a depth gap? What's your thought? Uh, that's a really good question, and I, I like the way you phrased it there at the end. I, 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 you know, top level talent. I don't think so. I think it's a lot closer than any Utah fan would like to admit. But when you start to look at the the depth of the roster and you look at the entirety of a two deep, I think that the gap is a lot more significant than any BYU fan would like to admit. Now, I think recruiting classes like this help close that gap a little bit. Uh, but, you know, if BYU and Utah were playing in week one or week two, I feel pretty good about BYU's chances to, to stack up and, and go man for man against Utah. It's that week nine game that gets a little bit more questionable because you have to depend on who's hurt, who's coming back. Uh, BYU's depth just isn't quite there. I mean, and frankly, Utah's had a 10-year, you know, power five head start, so they should have more depth. Uh, but, yeah, we would be lying to ourselves if we said that they didn't have more depth and, and the entirety of the roster is is more talented in, in Salt Lake than it is at BYU. Right? So it'd be, it'd be better for that to be the opener than nine weeks in. Yeah, I, I would. I wish that was the opener every year, but that's yeah, that just that's just us. So isn't it interesting that 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 BYU has a quarterback that's coming off of the shoulder and it's got to be tested? And how much how much how many eggs can you put in that basket? Mm -hmm. And then Utah, since we're talking about the Utes, are putting all those eggs in the basket of Cam Rising that his major knee reconstructive surgery is going to hold up. And then both are going to take a deep breath and hope for the best. <laughs> it, it's tough, man. I mean, I, I think I'm sure you guys followed the Jets as close as I did. And, <laughs> and you just it's really hard to to put your eggs all in one quarterback basket. I mean, there's just even the best quarterbacks still go down for a week or two most of the time. I mean, injuries are just so much a part of the game. I think that's a dangerous proposition for both teams. I like where BYU's at because you do have a guy like Retzlaff who, who has some experience. There is going to be a competition for the starter. 
where you, you know, Utah, they, they've got rising. And if he stays healthy, great. That's that happy day for the Utes. But if not, well, we, we saw this year up in Salt Lake that it was just kind of a, a carousel of quarterbacks. And as one struggled, there wasn't really anybody to step up. So they kind of had to live with those struggles. It's a, it's a dangerous proposition when that's the game plan. See, Jeff just solidified what I say all the time. Quarterback's the most important position yeah, in team he sports. He does. He does say that. So, <laughs> <laughs> and it is true. <laughs> all right, we're ready to hit you with five questions. We sure appreciate you on this show and we want you on the show more often and we we blame ourselves so we apologize yeah. <laughs> but but here we are tonight you ready for five quick ones i'm ready all okay, right your favorite sports movie jeff man i'm a big fan of the sandlot maybe it's the, the it was in utah yeah i don't know what it is but Do the you know sandlot what? No, up in lehigh nobody has said the sandlot yet and that when jeff says that that just brings back so many warm fuzzy oh, yeah. good feelings for me i love the sandlot it wasn't lehigh but it was up in salt lake county i think yeah I'm pretty sure to Willow, yeah, maybe some stuff in Ogden, stuff oh, in man, yeah. That is so many great lines. And you know, yeah, oh, come on, hurry up, Benny. My clothes are wearing out. How many of us are going ever, out of style? They're going out of style. How many of us have said uh, when something got, something goes haywire, you go, I blame myself. Yeah, exactly. You know, it does, <laughs> comes from that kid who who thought they could get the ball out yeah, of the beast who backyard. Can, who can forget the okay. Benny the Jet Rodriguez? Sandlot, that's great. <laughs> so awesome. Your favorite singer or band? Oh, man, I think if you would have asked me a few days ago, I probably would have jumped on the Taylor Swift train, but I think I'm all Taylor Swifted out these days. So oh. I don't know anymore. You're Swifted I, I, it, out. It, uh, it hit a boiling point. You know, I just, there was so much Taylor Swift. Just too much of it. Yeah. So who are you going to go with then? Yeah. That's a great question. I don't know. Who's your backup uh, to Taylor Swift? Or yeah, is she I, like Cam Rising? If she's out, you're just, you're just in limbo. <laughs> I'm just out. I'm just I'm podcast now. No, I I'm a country guy. I've been listening to a lot of Garth Brooks recently. Oh, old school uh, old country. Dominion, Morgan Wallen. A lot of a lot of country. Oh, hey, have you heard that? Uh, the I new love song Old Dominion. By, a one man band. One of my favorite songs. Have you heard the new song from Keith Urban? I have not. Oh, it's good. You should go get it. Watch it on YouTube. It's cool. Dave yeah. needs to listen to "I Don't Want to Be a One Man Band" as he goes out and does baseball by himself. I this gotta next be week. a one man band. I don't want to be a one man band. That's it. So <laughs> I might I don't be singing be that. I might be singing alone. that by game three. That's like, yeah, this, you need to listen to that song. This is applying to you next week. So we're putting you down for Garth. Are you yeah. good with that? I'm gonna go. Yeah, Garth. I like Garth. Okay, yeah. Or I, I like. I'm gonna go Garth slash Old Dominion because I like that. So favorite breakfast cereal. That is a great question. It, it probably is Captain Crunch. I'd want to say something a little flashier, but yeah. I always go back to Captain do, Crunch. Do you, you do the Crunchberries or do you do the plain? Uh, with Crunchberries. Oh, okay, yeah. because. Um, Dave is a Captain Crunch playing guy. Um, Kristen Kozlowski, the Honey Bunches of Oats, but she said her kids all and her husband's favorite are Captain Crunch. Plain. The kids like it with the berries. Yeah. The dad just likes it. So she buys the berries and then he gives them all of the berries. Kids need the berries, uh, but the, the, the real men just take it straight. <laughs> that's, that's always been my problem, Dave, right there. The real man, I need the berries. Straight yeah. Captain need, Crunch. Jeff, I'm with you. I need the berries. And I save them for last. I eat all the little crunchy things, cut the roof of my mouth up, and then eat three mouthfuls that's of right. Hey, of by the berries. way, John says on our live stream, the Sandlot was filmed around 6th South and 13th West in Salt Lake City, around the corner from my house. So, John, thanks awesome. for getting thanks in for that, there John. straightening us out. Um, another per this is an extra question. We have a bonus question. I'm going to come to this that Mark Brown just sent out there after we finish these. Your favorite sports moment? Ooh, my favorite sports moment. I I grew up in Atlanta in the '90s, and I became a big Braves fan. And so when the Braves were good in the '90s, 
I was too little to really embrace it. So when the Braves won the World Series a couple of years ago, that uh, that was my manna from heaven moment mm. right there. The Braves winning the World Series. Yep, long time coming. All right. Absolutely. And and then then this is this is the last, but we're gonna give you a bonus one. The last one is your favorite change in the college recruiting rules in the last several because there's been multiple changes. So so what what's your favorite change for good in college recruiting? Man, that's a that's a that's a loaded question. I, I can tell you all the changes I don't like, and there's a lot of those that that's why we, that's why we said let's do because because I could name like ten I don't like but I thought yeah, let's, ask, let's ask Jeff what if there's a good change that he likes there's there's a lot that I don't like I think one thing that I I do I do like is because and I don't know that it was a, a rule change or anything but because of the early signing period where so many uh, so many kids are locking in their place right at the end of December there's that whole evaluation period in January. That in, in years past, that was spent for the head coach doing their one in-home visit. That was what they mm. were allowed to do. But you look at Kalani this year, he only had to do a handful of in-home visits because the class was already locked up. So Kalani was able to do a lot more of the traditional spring recruiting where he's out on campuses, getting to know high school coaches, doing some of that eval that way. And that's something that traditionally has been really kind of a, an assistant coach job. I thought that was cool to get the head man out just abroad at all of these schools and that he had a little bit more time to do that, I think will help BYU in the future. It helps him, you know, establish those connections with, uh, with high school coaches across the country, build out that network. I, I think that was maybe not an official change that anybody made, but a happy consequence of some changes that yeah. happened. And I, I agree. That's good for BYU. Anytime Kalani can get in front of kids and parents, he's got a chance. He's the closer. He's got a chance when he, when he gets, Multiple exposures to kids and their parents. He's got a chance to get those kids. He really does. Yeah. So, Whether he gets them now or later, right? He's got a gift. For, yeah, he for really them. does. So here's your here's your here's your bonus uh, question that that says some. And by the way, John Higley just threw out the line. You're killing me, Smalls. Yeah, that's another. So one. so Mark Brown asked this. Love to know your favorite piece of BYU memorabilia because you got a bunch of it there behind you that we see on screen. Do you have a favorite piece of memorabilia? Uh, let's see if I lean the right way. The the belt there, the BYU belt, the mm -hmm. title belt, uh, it's from uh, my guy. He, he's a Salt City Swagger. He does it for a lot of different teams. I think he's done some stuff for the, the football team, the basketball team. He does it for, for everybody. Uh, the origin story of how he got started, he's a cancer survivor, and when he – I guess was in remission and he got to leave and, you know, ring the bell. He wanted to, he wanted to feel like a wrestling champion. And he was there with at the children's hospital. He saw these, these kids that were going through their battle and he felt like hey, we've got to do something for those kids. So he started making title belts and that's how it all came to be. And he would give these kids who would just be cancer, these title belts. And he does a, a oh, phenomenal that's job. That's a great story. And that origin story just makes that belt. I, I didn't beat cancer. I guess I'm lucky enough to get a belt, but uh, it's cool for me. Anytime I, I get a chance to talk about it, that's great. Uh, to highlight what he's doing. It, it's phenomenal work. Good stuff. People doing good things out there. Jeff Hansen, you can find him at, at Rakoto 10. What is it? Rakoto 10. R -O -K -O -T -O -10. You know, it was a mission yeah, I went to Madagascar. It doesn't even really mean anything. It just came from the, the Malagasy language and came home, started a Twitter account, and the only thing I could think of was mission stuff. So here we are. It was either a scripture <laughs> verse or Rakuto 10, and I went with that one. So Rakuto 10, also CougarSportsInsider.com. We're all busy. We have wonderful careers surrounding around sports and all that, but don't let anything get in the way of deer camp. That's for sure. That's absolutely priorities, right. priorities, <laughs> as Brent Hansen would say. So there you go. <laughs> 
Jeff Hansen, thanks for being on The Wise Guys. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate you guys. Have a good one. A lot of information we got tonight. Yeah, good he knows stuff. his he knows stuff. And, uh, and you know what? We're going to track his perspective as we get into spring and, yeah. and the summer and, and see um, – uh, and see how it how it measures up. I think he's got a good beat on things. Yeah. Oh yeah. And he puts a lot of work into following all the recruits and how it's going and 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 not only follows BYU but you know where they go at you know other schools and what they're doing. He follows Utah pretty closely. So we'll we'll have him as a resource. Next week, by the way, Garrett and Dave Rose are going to be with us. They'll be oh, here in studios so the night before the Baylor game. They're actually a public speaking tandem. Yeah, going out and about and uh, and and doing that. We've had Coach Rose on before. He went in the Hall of Fame last year, right? But now we get them both on and kind of see what this uh, what what this, what's this going one, on. This punch is all about, right? Yeah, and Steve Cleveland, the, our friend and former BYU head coach Connor Pay, they're going to be here with us uh, February twenty sixth, and we'll get into March Madness. Noah Hartsock, David Nixon, Max Hall, T.J. Haas. Greg Rubel, Mark Durant will be back with us before the big dance. And Are we going to so bring Greg and Mark on together, right? with us, yeah. Yeah, that's going to be fun. I'm, I'm pumped about Anytime you and I get to spend time with Dave Rose, we've, we've cherished that time throughout the years. It's always fun to have Dave with us. Hi, there's so much going on on campus. This is the fun part of the show where we're going to take a few minutes uh, and, uh, and clue you in. There's so much winning going on. Yeah. There was a, a whole bunch of winning on Saturday. I wrote about it in the Deseret News today. If you get a free minute, you can find that at Deseret.com. It's all win Saturday, right? Yeah. It yeah. was uh, early in the morning yep. till, till late at night. Um, and let's start with men's volleyball. They're now nine and three, six and two at home. It's number six in the new poll today, up two spots. Swept Long Island Thursday and Saturday this week. Number two, Grand Canyon comes in Friday and Saturday night, 7 o'clock Mountain Time on BYU TV with Jerem Jordan and Steve Vale. So uh, UCLA is in the following week. So right. this, is, this is crunch time. They, they, they had a, you know, Long Island, good, good program, but not the level of Grand Canyon and UCLA. So they're going to have to step it up and have fewer unforced errors. But big, big weekends coming up for BYU Volleyball. Softball, 5-0 uh, and oh now. They won the Paradise Classic which is pretty cool. We saw them tweet out, um, you know, that the, they were champions down there. Um, so so BYU, Missouri, Kansas City, they won 17-8. to eight. And here's the fun part. The Cougars were down 8-0 in the second inning. And they won 17-8. And then they just kept going. And then they got hot, yeah. right? Because then they go against Old Miss, great program, and they win 7-4. to four. Then they route Nevada 8-0. to zero. And then uh, they played Missouri Kansas City again, three zero. How do they? How was it seventeen to eight? And then it's three to zero. Pitching, right? Or a bad inning? Yeah, right. And then BYU. Well, and they they found their mojo on defense. BYU Hawaii. BYU wins three two, on and Og, and Ogbayani's three run home run in the top of seventh. How about that? So they struggled on offense, and Aliyah got up there and belts a three run shot. Hawaii's the home team; it's on their field over there, and so BYU starts the season five and zero for the first time since two thousand ten. Is that is that a you know vision of things to come here in the yeah. Big Twelve? Well, this week they're Are they over, a little more ready than we thought. Remember, Gordon Eakin was here and he was saying we could be I pretty. Think we're going to be better than yeah. picked. So, what they were picked tenth. Yeah. Uh, this week they're in Tempe, Arizona. They're down there where I'm going. Only we'll be at the baseball team, but across the way at the Littlewood Classic, and uh, and look at this lineup. Yeah. So Thursday the fifteenth at Arizona State, they follow that up on the sixteenth against Virginia Tech. 
And then on Friday, so they have a doubleheader on Friday and Saturday, right? So it's yeah. a, they go in Thursday and play Thursday and then play a doubleheader Friday and Saturday. So on Friday, it's Virginia Tech and Illinois State. And then Saturday, it's Memphis and Cal State Fullerton. That's a, that's a lot. That's a lot. And it's really good to be 5-0 and going into How do you that. have enough pitching to do that? You know they can pitch all. It's that underhand stuff. They, they can pitch it. How do you it. not hurt your arm? I, as hard as they throw the ball, he's got he's got five pitchers, yeah, but he, they can they can do that. It's they, crazy. You know, the, uh, they can have an ace pitch a doubleheader, but for for a guy, I, and, and I think it's the throwing motion. Yeah, you know, in the players' union, they only should throw so many pitches. You're out. Shoulder. Yeah. So, but it's five games in three days. Yeah. Two double, you know, double headers. Weather's going to be perfect down there. So and, I don't know, great. and I'm not sure. I don't think they play back. Do they play back to back double headers? They play and then have a break and then. I play. think they have a break. Yeah, but it still, seemed to be what it was. Yeah, but uh, hey, they're they're red hot right yep, out of the love gate. It. And we and we've had Gordon on the show a couple times, and we're we're following that closely. Baseball season openers later this week, Friday. As a matter of fact, February 16th, uh, they're going to be at Sloan Park in Mesa, Arizona. That's the spring training home of the 2016 mm-hmm. world champion Chicago Cubs. And I'll probably say that a number of times. Because you are the Cubs guy. During the broadcast. But it's USC Friday night, 5 o'clock Mountain Time. Saturday, BYU plays Ohio State at 5 o'clock Mountain Time. And then a week from today... Uh, at one in the afternoon, Mountain Time, uh, it's BYU and Grand Canyon, who's a very, very good, good program. Yeah, all the games are available on the BYU Radio app. Most of them on a BYU Radio in Utah, one hundred seven point nine FM. And you're going to have to hear a lot from me because it's just there's no color man. They say, "Can you do these games?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And so, I uh, who's who's my analyst? If I wasn't busy, no one. If I wasn't busy, I'd come down with you. I know. And you know what? I might just call you, and we can zoom. If, if you start to just freak <laughs> out, zoom. If you say you get it to the end of the sixteenth, and you're like, I can't do this, just call me. Yeah, I'll call you because I got more games coming up after that. But you yeah. know, like at the end of the game last night, I was like, you know, it's kind of sad. Football ends, and then we shift right into, you know. The world just moves into the next thing. And this week, it's moving into college baseball with the major leagues following and big golf tournaments. And then, and then we get back into, yep, back into yep. football. But today is the transition day. Sure is. Hey, Mark Brown makes a great point. He says, hey, the first 11 games that BYU plays are all non-regional teams last year. It feels like a great test to start the year and gauge how good we are before going to the Big 12. Yeah. Trent Pratt told me today, as we were going over our, the roster for this weekend, um, he says, hey, look, we got talent. We're young. We just don't have that word experienced next to the young right. talent. They're going to go get some really fast, and then we'll see what happens. And, and remember, remember what we were saying about BYU women's basketball team? We talked about that with Kristen Kozlowski today. Early in the year, we're going, man, they're really talented on that guard line, but they're, you know, they really haven't played college basketball. And here we are uh, after a week where they just won two in a big upset over a nationally ranked Baylor, and we're going, guess what? These youngins just turned a corner yeah. this last week. So at some point, we play in a schedule like this. Those young guys are going to learn how to play the game. You get, you sooner or later in life, you have to turn the corner. Yep. So turn the corner early. earlier, better. Yeah. How about gymnastics? They finished uh, second in their fourteen meet at Oklahoma. Twenty seventh ranked Cougars finished ahead of Utah State and Texas, uh, behind the number and one ranked Oklahoma Sooners. And it's Texas women's. That's the right. name of it. Oh, yeah, that's right. You had to I say had to double-check that. that. I had to Google that because it's not the Texas Longhorns. It's Texas women's. Texas women's. And yeah. I thought, is that a team? And it turns out it is. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. And then I didn't know Oklahoma. I had to, Oklahoma's number one. I just, is Oklahoma number one? Are they a gymnastics school? And I looked it up. Yeah. Yes, they yes, are. Yes, they are. Yes, so. they are. And you know what? They're going to the SEC. Yeah, so this, this <laughs> week, BYU's at Kentucky. 
another SEC uh, program. Friday, February 16th, 5 p.m. Mountain. That's on ESPN Plus, so you can take a look at the Cougs. Just about everything's on ESPN Plus yep. these days when yep. it comes to college. Uh, it's like 10 bucks a month. Um, you know, we're always apprehensive about what I got to pay for one more thing, but you get a lot. Mm-hmm. And you get everything that BYU's doing, for sure. Um, women's golf, the uh, Florida Atlantic Paradise Invitational, BYU took 12th. Uh, their next uh, tournament is February 26th and 27th in Sacramento at the Causeway Invitational. So Mark Brown's asking, Dave, are any of the baseball games in Arizona televised? Mm, not that I know of, but if they are, I'll tweet it out. I know yeah. the first ones aren't. It's part of the MLB um, spring classic and um i haven't seen any of them streamed but i will tweet that out but dave could you know, you could while you're calling games on radio like hold a thing and just do a live stream on Wise yeah, i could do that although that might be a rights problem <laughs> and, I, i'm just saying and you wouldn't see anything problem yeah, problem but it would be a yeah it would be a problem okay let's let's move to men's golf uh, the john burns intercollegiate is uh thursday through saturday that's the 15th through the 17th of february uh hokiala lahui hawaii yeah, it sounds delightful. Yeah. It sounds like a great place to go play golf. Lahui, that's on Maui, right? I don't know. There's three. Once they got yeah, the Hawaii is the airport. Lahui's where the airport is, right in the middle of the island, right? So, yeah. Hokiala, Lahui, Hawaii. There you go. And that, I'm, I'm definitely, I so volunteer to go cover that. Yeah, yeah. Me, you, and me both. Super Bowl last night. The Chiefs beat the 49ers 25-22 in overtime. Fred Warner had 13 tackles, most on the team, nine solos. And why wasn't Travis Kelsey getting the football? Because Fred Warner was guarding him. Playing a man. It, it like, what other linebacker in the National Football League do you just go, hey, this is the best tight end in football, but we're just going to put our backer on him one-on-one. That's how good Fred Warner is. That was incredible that they even gave him that assignment and that he, he did a phenomenal job. He is a great player. He's going to get a Super Bowl. It just wasn't last yeah, night. Yeah. Andy Reid's got his third. How awesome is that? That's good. He's just a good person. Yep. Three of the last four. Yeah. And that's a two-peat. The last three-peat was the the Patriots like 20 years ago. Probably going to have a cheeseburger or two yeah. or three I don't know. this week to celebrate. He just he is an incredible, you know, we talked about this early on, the, the preparation the fact that he had his team preparing for playoff overtimes in the summer workouts, so when that came, they were ready. They all went, yeah, we practiced this. That, that tells you all you need to know about Coach Reed is an attention to detail. And he seemed to put up with the Taylor Swift saga in first class, as you'd expect yeah. uh, him to do. We saw a lot of that last night. We oh, saw a lot yeah. of Taylor. We saw a lot of – now, my family, there's a, a, a number of people in my family that are over it. So uh, they would say whenever something bad would happen to the Chiefs or something good would happen to the 49ers, that's when they'd call out for a Taylor Swift cutaway shot. Oh, no. So there's something bad happened. Hey, show us Taylor. That, that just wasn't going to sit well with them because enough good things happened that they kept seeing Taylor. So what's the deal with, with – tra- uh, with, uh, um, well, I know the deal with Travis and Taylor. What's the deal with Taylor and Blake Lively? Are they like good friends? Because Blake Lively was there in the booth with her the whole time. She's a huge movie star. Yeah, and they don't even mention her. So there's Taylor hey, did anybody even and say, some other people. Hey, by the way, there's Ryan Reynolds' wife and one yeah, of the I, most I famous uh, actresses in the world, Blake Lively. Like, as soon as they put him, we all go, that's Blake Lively. She must be friends with Taylor or something. Yeah, it would be curious to see. Cause why, why didn't Ryan get to go? 
Yeah. Why is Ryan Reynolds not up there? Why wasn't he on the list? But but Blake gets. The Why game. would Taylor bump Ryan off the list? She's like, you know what, Blake, you can come to the game with me, but Ryan's going to have Ryan to stay has home. To stay home. Maybe so. he's off doing uh, Deadpool or something. Yeah. Um, you know where this goes. Here's what I hope to happen. No one really cares what I think about this, but I'm going to say it anyway because we have our own show. Right. This is our show. Um, I'd like to see those two get married, live happily ever after. Yeah, I'm, I'm rooting for him. If it doesn't quite work out, I don't know where Travis goes for a new girlfriend. And I certainly know there'll be a new album for oh, Taylor. Yeah, that's the thing. But you, you get, know what? If you ever break up, whether <laughs> she breaks up with you or you break up with her, you yeah. get killed. We want that. the best for both of them. So it'd be nice to just, you know what? And, and do it right. Go get married, raise a family. And it, your life's never going to be normal because of... Of the careers. Honestly, they, they genuinely seem like, and I know it's just pictures on a video, but they seem to really. They seem all in. Yeah, they seem to love each other and, so, and, be, and be really fun with one another. Yeah, so. be a great example hey, for everybody. We're and, rooting for them, right? And have a happy life. But I don't know if we need to see it every weekend, but we might. Yep. But, yep. Um, hey, more power to them. So, yeah. amen. Um, so, that, enough for the Super Bowl, right? So, um, oh, Michael Rucker, our guy. Oh, yeah. Who we've had on the show and gave us one of the greatest inside stories of coming out of the bullpen to face Aaron Judge in the ninth inning of a baseball game. That one's waiting for you at YSGuys.com. Yeah, if you com. want to listen to a great, like, what it's like to be a relief pitcher, to come into a game with the bases loaded and Aaron Judge at the plate, Michael Rucker took us through that because he had that. And he did exactly what his coach told him not to. Yeah, came in with a, some high heat. He said, don't throw it, don't get it up in the strike zone or he will mash it out of here. <laughs> and Michael did the great Vicini. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what he's going to think I'm not going to do. So I'm going to do what he doesn't think I'm going to do. And he did it. And then he did he it. He got him to whiff. Yeah. So, uh, Well, he's now on the Phillies. Yeah, he's with the Phillies. We were texting back and forth. Uh, I told him, uh, we were talking about last week, I told him I wouldn't, I'd only be cheering for the Phillies when he was pitching or Bryce Harper was, uh, was hitting. But uh, uh, Rucker reports to the Phillies this week for spring training. It's interesting because uh, you got two active members of the church in the same yeah. locker room, and as as big as baseball is with Major League, AAA, all the way down through, in the majors, I don't know if there are two mm -mm. Latter-day Saint teammates in the same locker room outside of Philadelphia this year. And, uh, you know, so they can play together and they can sit next to each other at church. And, and yeah. uh, they're both great examples. Of, and we wish them the best of luck. But I, that's a little unique. It's a yeah. little unique because there's not another locker room like it's it. It's awesome. Spring training starts this week, so they'll be together. Um, good luck to them. You know, hey, good luck to both Bryce and and to um, Michael. That fan base is hard. <laughs> and the fact that they won it, now there's the expectation yeah, now, to now win it again. Anything less, you stink. That's interesting. Rucker. It's the fan base that booed Santa Claus. Uh, Rucker is right now the only uh, former Coug in Major League Baseball to answer that right. question on the stream. But Rucker went to the Cubs after the Cubs won the World Series. Now he's going to the Phillies. After the Phillies have won the World Series. Yeah. Just needs to get a little One early. year earlier. One year earlier. Could the Phillies repeat? Maybe. We'll see. So It's a long season. Um, so, hey, what what do you think America's most preferred sport is? You know this answer. You, you researched it. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Uh, Pew Research Center, they went and asked 12,000 adults, uh, hey, what's your, what's, what do you think is America's pastime? You remember we grew up, baseball was it. Yeah, but I've known this for a long time in yeah, my heart. It's a no-brainer. But now that's backed by research. Yeah. So they surveyed baseball, America's pastime, got 27%. 27% of 12,000. 
the king of American sports, which we've known for a long time, is football. 57%, and, and that's in all demographics, men, women, doesn't matter. 57% say football is America's sport. I'm still waiting to see what the numbers are for that Super Bowl, yeah. which are going to be unlike, oh, they're gonna unlike be anything over we've 100, ever seen. Over 100 million for sure. Yeah. Bas- uh, basketball, by the way, was third at 8%. I thought so that'd ba- be a little higher. Baseball's still higher than, than basketball. So If I'm the NBA commissioner, I'm going 8%. That's a, that's a red flag to me. I got to I got to figure out what need, I'm doing. They need to find another Michael Jordan. Yes, they do. Cuz and Steph Curry was good, but not Michael Jordan and Steph Steph was uh lots of people love Steph, but he's now kind of they're not that great anymore, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And center. and and LeBron's kind of fading. So and and I don't know that the country fell in love with LeBron the way they did with Michael. No. You know, or Magic not close. or Larry or not close, yeah. but that was the golden age when every game wasn't on TV. Yeah. And there was, it was appointment television. Yeah. What? We get to watch him this week on Friday night? I'm there. You, you put it on your calendar. Instead You're of right. every, oh, he's taking tonight off because he's tired. Yeah. And uh, by the way, Jimmer Fredette, uh, speaking of big shots and the guy who made a lot of them, he reports to training camp this week for the three-on-three Olympic basketball squad. How about that? They're over there in Colorado Springs, February 16th through the 18th. 16 players have been invited. Of course, Jimmer's expected to lead the team to Paris in the summer. So fun. And yeah. Are we going to have another Jimmer mania? The wor- a global Jimmer mania. Yeah. What if we have a global Jimmer mania? Because uh, he's already got Jimmer mania to either revitalize, because the rest of the country still knows him, and now he's, let's say, it depends on where NBC puts the game. Let's say he put, they put the three-on-three game uh, uh, in the medal rounds at, at night. And they're going, oh, I know that guy. That's Jimmer Mania. So then all of a sudden, back comes, comes the back. old Jimmer Mania. Yeah. And oh. then in comes the new Jimmer Mania. If he, and he's knocking <laughs> down threes like they're going out of style. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Michael Zimmerman says, baseball was my favorite sport, but I didn't even know that the Phillies won the World Series last year. That's what's happened to baseball. It's too bad. I know. And then uh, Mark Brown asks, what would that poll be if you did BYU sports? Would baseball be number two or would basketball be number two? It's a good question. And, you know, one of these days... Where we, would volleyball we, be? We're, ta- we're talking about getting some... We need to get some software that we can put into our system where we can do Insta polls. Yeah. Right? That would be fun. Oh, wait. The Texas Rangers won the World Series. Oh. That's right. They so beat the Phillies. Go, there there you go, Michael. Bad. Phillies were in the World Series but didn't win it. Thank you for that uh, update. Thanks, Mark. So, yeah, so that's good. That's good. That takes a little pressure off Rucker. Yeah, good. Good, good. And how about that? Neither of us knew the Rangers won the World Series. No, I, I thought I, it was the Phillies. I'm like, it, you guys, it was the Phillies. I, I com- they beat the Diamondbacks. I completely forgot that the Rangers were even in the World Series last year. Yeah. You know why? It's because we need the Cubs back in. And here, here's the sad part. I watched the World Series last year, and now that Mark corrects us, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Maybe we didn't watch it. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, we need to get Cubs Yankees. That would unify. Uh, that would unify the uh, the Democrats and Republicans would come together if the Cubs and Yankees were playing the World Series. That's we, what I think. We just need the Yankees and the Red Sox to play in the ACLS. <laughs> yeah, that would be fun too. Hey, thanks for those clarifications, and we wish uh, again Rucker and Jimmer and uh, Bryce Harper the best in the yep. new seasons yep. coming up. Thanks for the, thanks for the help, Mark. Let's head down the home stretch on this day, February twelfth. We're coming up on our two-year anniversary. Can you believe that? It's crazy to me. February 12th. There was a lot that happened. In 1818, Chile gains its independence from Spain. Yeah. 
1855, Michigan State is established. Wow. 1878. Um, Harvard, that should say Harvard. Yeah, Harvard player Frederick Thayer patents baseball's catcher's masks. I just think how much dough he's brought in over the years. Let me tell you, baseball is a lot safer with a catcher with a mask. It on. really is. What, what's amazing, and you go back to life when there weren't face masks on helmets, when did any of those seem like a good idea? Yeah, yeah. So th- this next one, um, I love, 1879. The first artificial ice arena in North America, Madison Square Garden. Madison Square Garden. I just sat in Madison Square Garden two Fridays ago and watched the Knicks. Oh, you did? Yeah. It was it was sold out, 19,800. We took Bo, my, my uh, grandson, and my son-in-law, Blair. If the Knicks ever got good, place to go bananas. The, it, they were, it was a great game, and the place was nuts. I mean, New York embraces winners. So you win there, yeah. you're big time. You're feeling good. Yep. Uh, unfortunately, they have the Giants, they have the Jets, and lately yeah. they've had the Mets uh, and the Yankees. Yeah, it's not been good. That's why they're all on edge. Yep. 1937 on this day, <laughs> Cleveland was awarded an NFL franchise, the Los Angeles Rams, although they were the Cleveland Rams, and now they are today's Los yeah, Angeles it's moved, Rams. It's moved all over the place. You so. think of Cleveland, you think of Browns. This was before that. They That's were crazy. the Rams. You want to hear crazy? 1949. That We know we're, the capital of hockey, I feel like, is, is Canada, right? Yeah. It's not Russia. No. It's Canada. Canada beat Denmark in hockey in 1949, 47 to nothing. It seemed like they'd have a mercy rule, you know, back then. 47 to nothing? What's the equivalent in football? I can't even imagine. Like 275 to three? Something like that. Something like That's that. That's crazy. 47 goals. Poor goalies. Uh, 1958 on this day, Bill Russell pulled down 41 rebounds uh, in that 119-101 win over Syracuse. Syracuse, were they the Nationals back then? The Syracuse Nats? Something like that. I think they were. They were. So 1994, uh, the Winter Olympics began on this day in Lillehammer, Norway. Yeah. I remember um, I was in Vegas. It was on CBS. And I remember that jacked up our, our, we're doing the news at midnight. Hey, we love the Olympics. See afterwards at midnight. But uh, the Lillehammer games, those were fun. Uh, 2023 on this day, the Chiefs beat the Eagles to win last year's Super Bowl. That's right. And now they have two. They've got back-to-backs. They, they have two Super Bowls in the same 365 days. That's right. How about that? Two in one year. So February 12th, birthdays. Here we go. This is an important one. In 1809, Abraham Lincoln was born on this day. Honest Abe. 1809, same year, Charles Darwin. Wow. Interesting. That's a, that was a big day. In, in the history of the world, that was a big day. Those yeah. two come to the world. 1934, Bill Russell. So not only did he get a bazillion rebounds on this day, 41 rebounds. Happy birthday. It was on his birthday. Uh, 1968 on this day, Josh Brolin, the actor you may know as Thanos. There you go. In the Marvel's world. I thought, you know what? When I first saw Thanos, I thought, what is this, like a cartoon? Because he, he had, yeah, you yeah. know, and everyone else has got... Looks normal, I mean, to an extent. And then, <laughs> to an extent. And then, and then the more time you spent with Thanos, I was like, this is a bad dude. Yeah. yeah. And then he, then he became his character, and they made a boatload of money. So how about deaths on this day? Um, 1971, James Cash Penny, the founder of J.C. Penny stores. Do you think his parents were in a, um, infatuated with money? 
to name they, him. They named James him Cash, Cash Penny. Penny had to be, and he made a bunch of it. And and I think there's still some J.C. Penny stores yeah. around. Yeah, you gotta there, look I think hard. Yeah, um, two thousand on this day, Charles M. Schultz. Peanuts. Peanuts. Yeah, but that great that great illustrator, great impact on the world. Yeah, two thousand. Tom Landry, the great coach, Dallas Cowboys. Um, yeah, he always wore that. Uh, he always wore that hat. You know, coaches today wrap the ball hat. Yeah. Andy Reid's got the hat down over his eyes. What do yeah. they have? What are they called? Little. Uh, um, he wore a. No, like, it's not is, fedora. No, it's, what's it's it called? A, a regular. Yeah. My it, grandfather used to wear one all the time. Like yeah, a dress it's old hat. school. It's old school. A dress yeah, hat. Yeah, Bear Bryant used to wear one. You know. Yeah. So. Um, Let's see. Uh, Mark is pulling in the last plug for some baseball guests on Wise Guys. Thank you, Mark, and we appreciate you watching. We just had Trent Pratt on the show. You can find that at ysguys.com. The players are going to be really on the road for the next month, and then we'll get some in. Yeah, so we'll and, and we do appreciate, Mark, uh, the help today on some of the baseball stuff yeah. and the fact that you guys have family home evening and have dessert while you're watching the Wise Guys, which I think is a phenomenal family it home It makes us tradition. feel like we're part of the, part of the family. So. Our, our wise guy's quote of the week is from Charles M. Schultz himself. Seemed appropriate. Yeah, I think so. And uh, this is appropriate for you and me because this is the age we're at, right? <laughs> so he said, just remember, once you're over the hill, you begin to pick up speed. I just think about that for a minute. Because you got to go down the other side. Yeah, so you, you, you start going faster. Once <laughs> you get over the hill, you begin to pick up speed. Charles Schultz introduced Snoopy to the world. Where yes, would Snoopy, did. where would the world be without Charlie Brown? Yep. And Michael, Michael Zimmerman, we don't check these facts, but Michael Zimmerman says that Charles Schultz died the day after his last cartoon. Is that right? So he was right up to his death. He was doing what he loved. Hey, uh, speaking of doing what we love, C is for Cougars available at Deseret Book, Siegel Book, Amazon, the BYU store, the only BYU alphabet book in the world. There's a legend behind every letter. It's great for birthday gifts and, and for no reason at all gifts. Uh, it's like 15 bucks, and um, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's cool to have. So and I have the very first one go. that ever came off the presses. I don't know. It was the first and one. It was out signed. Of the box. signed. It's signed, and I have it, and someday I'm going to sell it for a lot of money. <laughs> so um, I'll probably be the one buying it. Yeah, you'll buy it back, I'll buy from, it back me. from you. Th thanks to our guests for, from this week. Uh, Jeff Hansen, phenomenal job breaking down recruiting and helping us with BYU football. And for Kristen Kozlowski, our colleague that we're really blessed to get to work with, great basketball mind. Co coached her boys all the way up through. That was mm -hmm. fun to find out. Yeah, and and we love Kristen. She drove down from Draper just to be on the show tonight. Yeah. So and it's fun to get us in this setting where we can relax and just yep. and just visit. Typically, we're in a studio setting where you have thirty seconds to yeah. relax and visit. Or guys, you have two minutes and you got five of you go. Yeah. And and so this one, it was fun to just see her. Uh, you know, just just sharing what's on the top and, of her and mind. It's fun. They've got a phenomenal family of athletes Chris, yeah. Kristen does um, he, she she and Travis have done a phenomenal job uh, some big time prospects football and basketball so next week Dave and Garrett Rose they're a, they're a public speaking tag team and they're gonna come right here and, and we'll talk us. about uh, what they got going on and of course it's the night before the Baylor game that could be a clash between two top what if BYU can get two wins here, yeah, two wins this, this week. week could be two top fifteen teams at the Marriott How Center. How fun would that be? Um, and that's a week from tomorrow, uh, so there's a lot to do in between now and then. But we look forward to the roses hanging out with us. The podcast out tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Share with your friends, and uh, and there'll be little clips on YouTube. 
that uh, that we'll put out there. And then, of course, Jack's going to send out our email, which has got highlights of the show uh, that you can get for free. Yep. Just go, just go say yes. I'd like that. Yep. And, and it's fun. I get it. I get it. So if two guys on the planet should have it, it should be, be us. us. We get it. But a lot of other people get it too. So um, we appreciate you uh, helping us uh, conquer the world. So we, this is the second time on this, Dave, that somebody said, you need to make a calendar based on your book. And they would buy it. Here's the thing. People don't buy calendars anymore. But they'd buy this one. You'd think they would. They use I, this. But they, yeah, it's like, I mean... When's the last time right, right now, you I'm looked getting, on I'm the getting, yeah. wall It's telling me, said, get ready me for this. Get ready for this. It's telling me right now. So, Yeah, and so... Um, it's true. But hey, it's a great idea. There are a couple other things we might kick around, yeah. but that's that's the first one. Make sure you get the book first, though. Yeah, get the book first. So, And uh, have a great week. Have a great week. Go Cougs tomorrow night. See ya. I'll be in Phoenix next week. Blaine will be here. Yep. The Roses will be here. Yep. It'll be a... Multi-state yeah. operation. Are, are you with me tomorrow? No, you're not with me tomorrow. No. Okay. No, so, I got I got nine days on the road. That's right. Up. You're on the road. So Dave's so getting ready to go the I'll be in the studio tomorrow night. Um, Kristen's off tomorrow night. It'll be Tyler and I in Jeremy's studio tomorrow. Yeah. Spencer out on the floor. Need to get a big win. Yep. And get to six and five. So, in the so big join 12. us on pregame on BYU TV at six o'clock tomorrow night. See you tomorrow night. For see me. you guys. We'll see you next week.